Good day, and welcome to Far Reaches. We are four people from similar parts of the world who have wound up chasing different dreams and living different lives. We are Richard, Raleigh, Joel, and Micah. Richard and Micah are from Southeast Oregon, from two small ranching communities known as Pine Creek and Plush. Raleigh and Joel are from Northeast Oregon, from the Pendleton area. We met through college, mutual friends, and heard of stories of each other. Somehow wound up being at the same place at the same time. See, we live and work in different parts of the U.S. now and have all taken different paths to get to where we are. We all talk separately and live far apart. So we decided we should try and talk more together. We hope you come along and enjoy. And greetings and salutations and welcome to yet another again, another again? Yet another edition, again, of the Far Reaches podcast. I am your silver tongue host, the Micah, with my co-host, Mr. Joel. Uh, we are double reaching at the moment, as Mr. Raleigh is in parts unknown, and Richard is doing some domestic errands and will be with us very shortly. So we thank you for joining us this time and every time here on the Far Reaches podcast. A uh, quick reminder, this is again brought to you by our super good friends at B&K Auto Salvage in the beautiful Grand Ronde Valley. Mr. Joel, have you ever been over to Baker and LeGrand? Sure. Outstanding. A couple, couple times. So if you're headed out of LeGrand south towards Union, you're going to see the B&K Auto right there on your right. And uh, there, that's that location anyways. You know, overall in the whole region, they got over 1,200 used cars and vehicles in stock and a large selection of 4x4 parts where if you're like me, tearing shit up every weekend, it's probably good to have a source for good 4x4 parts. They are your Eastern Oregon one-stop shop in the automotive world. Now remember, folks, we're still doing it also. Use promo code REACHER for discounts on pulled parts and a bump in those scrap rates. And that means it goes up. They're going to bump up your scrap rate, not down. I mean, they know you probably have some questionable taste by being a Far Reacher's loyal listener, but they're still going to take pity on your soul and bump up the scrap rate. That means you're getting more money for listening to the Reachers and going shopping there with our good friends at B&K Auto. So biggest discounts right there on Highway 203 outside of the big, your local used auto parts and scrap metal dealer brought to you every time as part of this great program. Can't thank them enough for all their help and support. We are proud partners with B&K Auto and thank them for being part of our Reacher family. Uh, speaking of Reacher family, uh, this week, so far, it's myself and Mr. Joel, but we're gonna, we're gonna carry on because that's what we do. That's what a Reacher does, right, Mr. Joel? Sure. <laughs> Dynamite drop in, Joel. Let's, let's... He's not the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. <laughs> Fit. Caught. <laughs> For those of you playing along at home, you might recognize a little homage to Major League, of course. Uh, but uh, I couldn't resist because it uh, that's one of the best movies of all time. So, again, a quick reminder, everybody. Also, we are available on most major podcast platforms and on the YouTube channel. And you can find us again on Facebook at the Far Reaches or reach out to any of us. Uh, reach out to a reacher that could be like a special thursday holiday or something like hey it's national reach out to a reacher day i think that'd be great so hey let's put it let's do a little bit more of a plug for this bnk um i've never really like listened to the the advertisement what is it they do so you say four by four parts what 
are there just people out there like you know so, i mean so are you familiar with like what, what a scrap yard is like a junkyard not really okay no. so like um, i mean there's just junker cars in there yeah actually um uh, to tell a personal story way back in grad school i had this beater car i bought for a while because uh i was a college student so i you know i had to get rid of my pickup and do some other stuff and i had this beater car I drove it for a while, but I definitely got my money out of work, out of it. And it ran when I took it there, but I took it to B&K and they actually paid me uh, like like 700 bucks for this car. And I said, it's yeah. all yours. And so, you know, oftentimes they'll just buy it for scrap value or that. And so somebody might have, a, you know, they got a 78 Ford Bronco or something and they need a transmission for that. So they'll call up the uh, the salvage yard and say, hey, you guys got any Broncos out there with transmissions in them automatically? Like, yeah, we got a few. That's a pretty good inventory of what they have. And so, um, you know, one of the other advertisements we do, we talk about pulling it yourself or they can pull it for you. So, you know, you can be like, hey, yeah, I'll take one. And and oftentimes they'll go pull that transmission or tires or something for you. Uh, or, or you can just roll in there with your pickup or your car and your tools and you can yard that some bitch out and pay for it and drag it home. So. Okay, so that's for people just like fixing up a car. Yeah, for sure. Uh, or if you're doing like a swap, like a, a lot of times it's real popular, like on, on a lot of TV shows now, if you have an old beater car, uh, but you're going to go get like a, say I have like a, I got a 71 Cuda or something like that. Um, I'm going to go find a new wrecked SRT Challenger, you know, what's got the hopped up Hemi in it. And I'm going to pull that old engine or that new engine out of that old car and put it in my old car. So swap, swaps like that happen. Um, yeah, it's a great way. It's sometimes if you bought an older rig, there's nowhere to find parts. So <laughs> that's a great place to go. Um, so, and if you're like a lot of folks in that part of the world too, we always had it growing up. You've got a, what we call the boneyard out back where you drag the old tractor that blows in half or <coughs> junior's car that hit a deer one year. You know, I had one year, I had like a, I had like four deer in one year, you know, sometimes you just park it in the back and you're like, yeah, I'll work on it later or whatever. Then eventually you're like, we're not doing nothing with that. And you call the scrap guy, you call Bo. He comes and picks it up and gives you so much per pound. Um, and if you use code Reacher, you get a little bump in that scrap rate. So um, yeah, they pay you by the pound and they haul that shit out there for you. So and scrap rate goes up and down, you know, depending on what the what the metal market's doing, how the demand is. So um, okay, yeah, it's pretty cool. So yeah, they got a huge, uh, huge selection there. If you're looking for parts, they ship parts all over the place because uh, you know, somebody uh, totals out a brand new Ford pickup and the insurance company's like, yeah, it's totaled, you know, but it's going to have good seats in it. It might have good rear glass. It might have a good bed on it or who knows what. So um, yeah, it's a good way to upgrade your rig. Or if you're a uh, really motivated individual, you go buy a total truck out of there and fix it up and it's called a salvage title. So yeah, so this guy's driving around with like a yellow cab and a purple actually yeah you can't see my shirt but there's a there's a show on tv uh the guys always fix up old cars and like there's actually outline there you can see it like it's got a different colored front fender and stuff on it on the car yeah so it's exactly that because you just find in pieces wherever you can so yeah it's quite the there's business richard. Uh, yeah there's richard no man look at that he looks like abe lincoln or not abe lincoln ben franklin yeah I'm here. <laughs> ben Franklin without his wig. Oh, here you are. Yes, sorry. <laughs> He's right over here. Oh, I'm sorry. 
Sorry. I, for all the shit I gave people about being bald, I should be completely bald by now, but I'm still, <laughs> I guess my penance is barbershop bills. So anyways, yeah. Um, Richard, welcome. We were just discussing actually a little bit more about our good friends at B&K and kind of how that business works and what they do and, and uh, like who's going to go get something out of the scrapyard and what you're going to do with it and, and uh, just kind of how handy it can be to save your bacon sometimes. So. I uh, had a good chance. I had a good conversation with Bo last month, and uh, I uh, should have stopped by when I was up in Boise and visited with him. I think they have a yard somewhere in Idaho. Yeah, they do. So I had no idea, but they are big. Yes. So. Bo has done a tremendous job, and a lot of folks there too, but I, I'm more in touch with what Bo has done. Um, he's quite the innovator and always been just kind of a strong entrepreneurial spirit and, and fun to work with and watch so um it's impressive what they're doing and he's they're out there turning and burning man he covers quite a wide swath of delivering parts picking stuff up i think they just added a new truck today if i remember right from the uh the facebook story so nice yeah. light blue pete yeah correct amundo yeah nice kind of a powder blue so long nose yeah. too it is pretty. That's a serious truck it is pretty yeah so yeah, Joel had a good question. He's like, yeah, I finally started listening to the advertisement a little bit. What exactly do these guys do? I'm like, great question, my good sir. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, they're no, still no, doing no, promo code reacher. So say again. Most people just most people just like go buy a new car. So to try to fix the one they got. Yeah, uh, they do. And so um, it's often a good a good resource if you don't want to do that um, or you don't have the means per chance. Um, or you got a, maybe you got a project you're working on the sidecar you got your new car already paid for and fun and well, that. I always wanted a 68 GTO you know maybe you duct tape one together you find a old like a Le Mans or something and make it a GTO I don't know if that's what you'd actually you can't do. underestimate the amount of talent that I think it would take to know how to do stuff like oh, that, you got YouTube like... you're fine yeah see <laughs> I got this I have this I have this I'm hatching this plan Ooh, I'm gonna take you 92 toyota yeah and i'm gonna do a little road trip through uh nebraska and rapid and uh south dakota and montana this spring and uh no air conditioning uh i'm gonna have to get the tape or the the um the audio system to bluetooth up and mm -hmm. i won't be able to talk on the phone because it's so loud when it's going down the road but i'm really <laughs> looking forward to uh i'm really looking forward to uh it's almost like going back to your youth when you just made do with what you had. Absolutely. It's sort of like, I guess it'd be like the equivalent of uh, riding your horse across the country, only I'm going to take louder. a Toyota. Yeah, it's just louder. About the same amount of horsepower, just a little bit louder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of my favorite TV shows is called Roadkill, and it's these two a-holes that worked for Hot Rod Magazine forever. And they'll go just buy like a 92 Toyota, like, and we're driving here in it, you know, and shit breaks all the time. Or I think I watched one the other day where like, we've got four days and 1500 bucks. And so they threw a map and then like the dart hit El Paso. So they flew to El Paso, found a car that they could buy, and then they had to get home on the rest of the money. So they, you know, they got like a, a 72 Chevy Caprice. For like 650 bucks you know or something like that and they had to drive all the way back so they they kept track on the trunk they wrote in sharpie of all the expenses and they'd put it on ebay when they left 
El Paso. And when they got to LA, they sold it for 550 bucks or something. So yeah, it was quite the adventure. But they do random, like that's some of the random stuff they do. So there's a job out there if you can think of it. So yeah, right. I'll be, you'll have to do, of course, you'll document your road trip well, I'm sure, but that should be entertaining. Well, I'm getting really good at video editing. So that'll, that'll be one of the side things I work on is, uh, yeah, that I'm thinking about doing interviews with people every day and doing a little uh, video clips and then combining them all when I get done. Because I'm mm. gonna, my plan is to enter, go and see some really interesting folks that uh, some I have met in person and some I haven't. But uh, so, but I'm it's uh, it's 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 turning over in my mind. It'll probably happen. I love it. Yeah, I admit we will have to get all over that. Yeah. I'm sensing some sort of weird sponsorship or uh, it'll come. It's hatching. It's, it's ruminating. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, anyways, we were just getting to our weekly updates because we uh, decided to take a few extra moments to kill some time for uh, you and Ralph to show up. But also, more importantly, just to kind of talk a little further about what B&K does and kind of how what a service they provide for people who either have scrap they need to get rid of or for looking for some stuff to, to do projects with, if you will. So, sorry. I always say things in a Canadian way several words resource <laughs> project those are two of my favorite so um it's the honorary hoser so uh, i have to do that every once in a while so um uh, let's kick it off with uh, the reach around it's a it's a trifecta now it's a three-legged stool if you will so we'll kick it off with mr joel in the locker room uh joel what's you got a weekly update for us Gosh, so it's probably been it's been a while since we met last. It's been about um, a, just about a week and a half because uh, we were Thursdays and then we went to the Tuesday on this one because uh, well, that's what I wanted to do. So, yeah. did, did I tell you guys that I went to a comedy show? I think you texted it to us, but I don't think we talked about it on here. Yeah. Well, I went to a comedy show. Um, Shut up to the stand, which is one of the one of the top comedy clubs in new york uh as soon as they opened up new york city for indoor dining you can do 25 percent capacity now um i decided i wanted to go there well i guess i think it was like yeah it was after my birthday but i met a friend there and they surprised us with stand-up they had dan soder nice wow and um david tell was there oh that's right oh, yeah i tell he's slay yeah, sean Patton. who's yeah. pretty he's a good comedian and then uh, a few yeah. a few people i didn't i didn't really know but I, i'd seen him before they're just not particularly funny um <laughs> you're used to that yeah so. <laughs> but that was really cool um i'd miss that oh yeah um sure. yeah, yeah i don't know like so Today, I went to the doctor. I hadn't been to a doctor since I had knee surgery a couple of years ago, but this is like the first physical I've had in 12 years, probably. Yeah, totally. I did that yesterday. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah this, guy, this guy talked me into a flu shot. I really did oh, not sucker. want a fucking flu shot. Especially, I was like, haven't... I was, he asked me if I wanted a flu shot. I said no. Um... And then he was like, you, you need to get a flu shot. I'm like, haven't only like 160, I just saw in the news, 165 people in America have gotten the flu this year. <laughs> and 
and I'm like, when does flu season open? And, and he was, he was like, everyone needs to get a flu shot, especially during COVID. I'm like, well, I had COVID already. Does that matter? He's like, you need, you should get a flu. I'm like, fine, give me the fucking flu shot, man. Let's shut up about this. Um, I disappointed myself for caving on that, but yeah. I need to move on. One of the reasons I went there and this is maybe too much information for people listening but i i have a self-diagnosed inguinal hernia um and that's why i went to the doctor getting a fucking look at this thing and it, it, well, you <laughs> mentioned that a few weeks ago or a month or two ago like you thought you had a hernia i thought yeah but yeah. he was like yeah you reschedule and come back specifically for that and like this so part of the physical process which i ignored because it doesn't make any sense they tell you to undress the nurse tells you to undress and put on this gown mm. I'm like eh, no no i'm not gonna do that i mean i took my pants off but i left everything yeah. else on you didn't you didn't so. have pants on when you showed up probably so. <laughs> but even that like there was no purpose for me to take my fucking pants off <laughs> especially you didn't even check my hernia are you kidding me <clears throat> yeah Oh, uh, wow. I can't wait to talk about my doctor's appointment then. It's completely different. That's hilarious. Yeah, I guess. What does this show was... turn into? Jesus Christ. When I was on my doctor. Yeah. yeah I was worried about uh, my uh, blood pressure. I was having like some chest pains and stuff, but I think it was anxiety induced from all the marijuana. So I quit smoking marijuana and uh, got some beta blockers for mm. anxiety and blood pressure is fine um yeah what else and then stock market that's gone to shit i probably helped on your blood pressure and your chest pains yeah my bitcoin is doing poorly thanks to elon um, what's that elon <laughs> screwed everything up did he yeah uh, it's not, yeah did he how well he said it's overpriced I think, they bought but... like 1.6 billion worth of it or something didn't they did they did right? yeah 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 Square just announced today they're buying a bunch of it too. I think it'll come. It it'll come back. back. I, I don't know how. Uh, many every day I come more and more convinced that this thing is going to skyrocket. There's only 21 million coins possible. There's a liquidity issue where people want to buy it, but they can't get their hands on it. it there's only one way for this thing to go ultimately. Um, so I can get something. Yeah. I wish I'd have thought that when I owned it at three thousand dollars. <laughs> oh, you got rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> right now, I'm keeping an eye on it. Right now, it's sitting at fifty thousand three hundred and sixty. Yeah, I mean, it's it. I think probably forty-five or fifty is going to be the new kind of baseline for a while. I'm guessing, and it's going to shoot up and back and forth. But um, yeah, you know, remember it held at thirty or thirty-five for quite a while. So, yeah. What the hell do I know? But that's just my opinion. And then I just got the rest of my money in that SPAC still, PSTH. Mm -hmm. And that, that won't move from 30 these days. Just hugging 30. Trickle, dickle, trickle, dickle. Yeah. Well, I woke up. It was down to like 26. So I bought a whole bunch more. Oh, good. So yeah. have you read uh, any of uh, some Taleb's books? Or uh, I'm trying to, I'm drawing a blank on the other guy it's a great book and then anything that charlie munger ever wrote have you read any of that stuff no it's all it's all good perspective on the stock market help you get over any 
any any um anxiety you might have about it so it, it there's so many different styles and like sort of like watching the oil price when you're in the oil field it just wrecks your brain so, oh yeah like everything that's everything one thing I, I pretty much down today so i just i just realized i hadn't looked so one thing i actually recently got into i'd never done it before is options call about yeah. some call options uh, and i bought them bought some call options on exxon mobil the oh. last week and that because i think oil prices are going to skyrocket from here um those are going really well that's some cool stuff there manner yeah i wrote that down that's how important that was yeah oh the other book's called a man for all markets Ooh. it's a great book the man for all markets i got that chart or the uh, the uh, Warren Buffett book for Christmas one year. It's like nine thousand pages value, about value about value about value investing. No thanks. That sounds boring. What's he know? Yeah. <laughs> I saw. I saw. There's this meme of. I don't know. Maybe I don't know who sent it to me. I think I sent it to you guys. Maybe, but there's a. Warren Buffett recently said that he didn't like trust Bitcoin or something. And somebody said, have fun staying poor. That'll alert him. Oh, that's hilarious. <clears throat> uh, Other than that, what, what else has happened in my week? Uh, a bank released earnings that were not good. Um, Way to go. Not my fault entirely. Entirely. <laughs> I'll take some of the credit when it's good. I'll take some of the credit when it's bad. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's all I got to say. That's not a bad week. Yeah. That's not a bad week. Entertaining. Yeah. Richard, what happened? Man, I had a uh, jam-packed week. Been crazy busy. Um, and I hate using the word busy. I can't believe I just did it. Been going nine oh since not since the last podcast, but here in the last five or six days. Outstanding. Yep. Um really exciting opportunity to uh get in with some guys that are attempting to redesign reimagine the carbon market, which is completely out of control as of late if anybody's yeah. paying attention to any of that probably not just me um but uh so had a lot had a few meetings about that last week and uh really sort of excited about the direction it's going um the work that i've been putting in on the regenerative agriculture stuff in the last three years is really starting to uh pay dividends so um It'll probably all go away with the next new trend that gets created, but I got this one locked in for a little bit. Next week, I'll probably be crying in my beer. But, probably getting um, blacklisted off LinkedIn again. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, react. So that's exciting to sort of be on the front end of uh, something that's, I think, has a lot of potential. And, uh, Absolutely. Really what is like that? What is that anyway? Here. What is the carbon market? What is that? Like it, pollution? 
No, so sequestration. The, <laughs> so the thought is that agriculture lands can sequester so much carbon. And you have all these uh, Fortune 500 companies that have these pledges to be zero carbon emitters by such and such date. Well, they have to find that carbon being captured out of the atmosphere somewhere. There's really only two ways to do it. You can capture it in agriculture land, pastures, rangelands, um, any number of different ways that agriculture can capture it. And then there's actual machines that suck carbon out of the air. Scrub it. Uh, yeah. I think one's called climate cli climb, climate climb. Anyways, those guys have uh, recently been following like everything I post on LinkedIn. And I don't know why we're in different carbon industries, but what the hell. Uh, but that's one of the symbiotic yeah it's one of the ones that bill gates is plugging in his new book um mm. the book i'm working my way through that book it's it's a crazy ride um and then so that the whole thing is there's a bunch there's more people than there is in agriculture trying to figure out how they're going to capitalize on this carbon market so I got an American Farmland Trust call last week, and they had five different carbon exchange markets represented on the call. Wow. And so I got to look it into if you sequestered one metric ton of carbon per every acre of farmland in the United States, that'd be 650 million um, car metric tons of carbon that would get out. And a, you can swing a metric ton of carbon by one to two percent, and if you can swing the carbon in the acre by one to two percent, you're basically sequestering about a ton of metric ton of carbon. So if you have really good soil health and really good management practices, you could, in a given year, you could get add or lose two to three metric tons of carbon per square acre. So all that is tradable. For these companies that are trying to offset their emissions, the catch is—I don't, I don't really. Can you explain? Like I'm five, so you have an acre of farmland, and you're going to capture carbon, as in like your plants that you grow are going to pull the carbon yeah. out, and then you get credit for something that's already done. Well, not you get credit, well, but like so, like Bill Gates flying around the world in his private jet while talking about climate change and stuff he's offsetting this because well i'm paying the guy growing a crop to buy his yep. carbon carbon That's credits bullshit yeah. that is that was already happening it's not like you're not really offsetting you're just it's all well, paper the thing paper. is with there is it is possible to capture more carbon mm -hmm. in pastures and farmlands than we're currently achieving so if it becomes a business, then it changes the whole dynamics of agriculture. So not only are we trying to grow healthy foods, but we'll also be trying to grow crops that actually sequester more carbon out of the atmosphere or capture more carbon out of the atmosphere. And I'm not a scientist, but eventually, isn't that carbon going to be released again through like, I don't know, eating yeah, and farting? And to have a healthy carbon cycle, yeah, you have to have a completely, it has to be a cyclic or uh, occurrence. 
So but, there's no such thing as offsetting carbon. Yes. There like is. you can't fly in a plane and say, I bought offsetting credits from farmers because they grow plants, but eventually that carbon is going to get released anyway. But the key part is the capture, storage, and safe release of it back Temporarily. out in the process that it does. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, there's only going to be so much that there is, but I think uh, it's that when it's captured and released back at a, at a different rate is the, is the key part too. I don't Probably. know. I have very strong feelings about this and I've known about it for about 30 seconds. So well, about you. Yeah. everybody has very strong feelings about it. And mostly it's coming because the market's going to happen regardless. Mm -hmm. And my really, my objective is to make sure that farmers and ranchers don't get screwed in the process of it. So that's, okay, that's uh, where my mind first goes like, Oh, look at these dumb hicks. We're going to come in and we're going to probably going to try to sublease it out and give you a dollar when I can make 10 on it because I know how to market it. And you're just some dumbass. Yep. There's a huge supply and demand issue and they're going to tell the farmer, they're going to give them a flat rate and then they're going to trade that up because mm -hmm. there's there's more demand for offsetting carbon than there is actually carbon being sequestered. So every verifiable ton of carbon that you can sequester and measure and observe there's going to be a growing market for it it's going to be above the 60 dollars that they're kicking down to the farmer and rancher for creating yeah another reason that could Billy it? gates is buying a bunch of farmland yeah so could if you have like you know thousands of acres of unproductive land could you theoretically figure out some way to capture carbon with that land and generate a good return yes it's all about the highest and best use um, of that land. So, too bad we sold our five thousand acres. That'll teach you. Yeah, never get rid of dirt. Uh, I can say that because we've done the same thing. But yeah. Anyways, it's so, interesting as hell. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's fascinating, and uh, the thing about it is that what what happened? Oh. Joel's like product placing wine now in the podcast or whatever it is. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Like, Oh, hey, this, this right here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. Anyways, back to the carbon story and the grass-fed organization. I took a trip up to uh, Boise this weekend and uh, did a little filming. And they asked me to come up and film one of our farmers that grows cover crops. That um, goes cash crops and he grows cover crops that we can graze in the uh, winter keep our grass-fed costs down, keep them on good feed. And uh, so come up and uh, see Chris up here, see what he's doing, and we'll show you his solar panels. So I was like, well, that'll be great. I said, so I pull up to uh, Grandview, Idaho, expecting to see about maybe a, oh, maybe a thousand square feet of uh, solar panels alongside of a ditch running a pump pull up 10 massive solar arrays on the, these big pivoting things mm. and they're tracking the sun and they're producing enough power to run two 40 horsepower pumps. A lot of people don't realize this. One of the major um, draws on power in the world is pumps. Mm -hmm. They think that one third of all the power created in the world goes just to running pumps. One third? Yeah. Holy buckets. So if you look at any irrigation district that runs on pumps, um, that is always going to be one of your largest expenses. So mm -hmm. by uh, 
he made a deal and he fronted a lot of it to pay for the infrastructure of this massive solar arrays so that he can bank. He doesn't get paid for the carbon that he creates when he's not using it, but he banks carbon for the peak day, peak times when he's using the pumps. And he you has electricity. Huh? You said carbon. He's not banking carbon, is he? He's banking electricity. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when he goes to scattered me for a second yeah. there <laughs> when he goes to run his pivots and he runs these pumps during the peak time of the year yeah all that power that those solar rays have kept when he's not running the pumps and it's been pumping it back into the grid he gets credit for that so mm. it's basically a wash and cuts down his biggest expense during the year and then what he did is by he made all the investment then but he re recouped it in what he gained in not having that power bill and mm -hmm. some tax write-offs and some grants and that kind of stuff. And uh, I was just blown away and it was amazing. And uh, he's been, he's done a cover crop for us with forage corn and alfalfa peas and Timothy mm -hmm. all in the same plot. Oh, kids. And uh, um, his, this was on some farmland that wasn't, as productive as some people would have wanted it to be and sort of they'd ridden it off. And in three years, he's got a mat. You can't even see the dirt. There's a mat of organic matter over the top of it, which is like, even if you have like a mat that covers 70% of it with so much dirt, that's a, that's a huge win in agriculture. But when you have a mat that like you have to pull apart to get to the dirt and then you get to the dirt and you, it's just fluffy and light. It did, it did have a little bit of sand in it, but it has that, uh, has a lot of organic material. You can tell yeah, the bug. Smell. Yeah. It's not compact. It was super exciting to see and only like a soil dork. And some, I don't even understand soil as much as mo most people, uh, some of the people that I run around with. And uh, it's holding a lot of moisture too, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, it's just I mean, incredible. That's, that's amazing. And our figure in right now is by doing this and we're doing it in kansas and we're doing it in idaho we think we're dropping our feed cost in the winter by a dollar a day wow which is huge which is so, one of your biggest expenses of having a cow yeah so right now we're pretty I, it's been four days since i got it's been two, three days since i got back from idaho and i'm still on cloud nine and i had nothing to do with it my cows are there i got to see my cows grazing on it but uh um super exciting and it's uh it's one of those things that uh people said was impossible to scale grass fed and it's we uh we get to have a little moment of i told you so and so we're all super excited about it and uh looking for uh and we're we now have farmers volunteering to do cover crops and um no-till drill and make their lands available for the cattle in the winter and fall so um couldn't be more excited oh it's outstanding yeah. Wow. Interesting. So that was my week. It was a good week. It's going to be a tough week to follow up and beat, but I know you probably <laughs> will. So that's even better. You know, that's damn cool. Yeah. Especially I'm, I'm really, I've been looking into solar a lot since I've in the Rita too, because uh, way my house is oriented is really good for solar. Plus um, yeah. If you're, when you're not, when you're not using it, you can either store it or put it back in the grid. So that's pretty interesting. There's, a, there's an interesting new word I learned. Um, agrivoltaics. Mm. 
So it is the combination of anything agriculture and solar energy. That is like grazing sheep underneath solar panels mm-hmm. okay. or offsetting different agriculture costs for, with solar panels. Um, so it's this new fledgling buzzword that I think you'll be hearing a lot more is agrivoltaics. I like it. Yeah, it sounds like a German speed metal band too. It's pretty cool. Yep. <laughs> Joel's like, I think sure. I saw them at downtown a couple weeks ago. Yeah. They opened for sprockets. Yeah. <laughs> sure, Micah. <laughs> Get you some of that, Mr. Joel. Get you some of that. Yeah. I want to get in the uh, carbon credit business. Jump on in. What do I need? I just need all I need is land. Well, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people trying to figure out how they can do it without land or capital or any risk at all. So you could join them, or you could get some land and be a real player. <laughs> right, I'll get some land. I know, or you can get pretty cheap land. You'll be able to do something with it too, though. Yeah. But I, you know, almost any land is going to be good land at some point in this life. So, yeah. They're still not making any more than I'm aware of. So, yeah. Well, Joel, to, to uh, tag on to your thing, I went to the doctor for the first time in, in uh, let's just say, a while myself and uh, got a physical. Got a new doctor here in uh, the Gainesville area and still trying to get my ear figured out from New Year's. I'm still walking around like a drunken toddler about half the time. So uh, my doctor is, uh, she is about five foot one and uh, she's from Japan. And uh, I didn't have to get naked till the very end. And then, we, you know, we did the, uh, you know, the finger. So, but uh, yeah, I got to be in my street clothes until then at least. So I didn't have to do the, getting a robe and sit in the paper um so is she cute i guess she had a mask on the whole time but i mean like yeah she's um nice way to do it very cool very good questions very very uh very attentive took great notes um just a good demeanor about her i was pretty impressed and uh yeah good 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 doc yeah so i was happy the getting naked thing is like I said, I, I was like, I'm not going to do it. They put the gown out on the thing. They get, take your clothes off. You can leave your underwear on. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I took my pants off, but I'm not going to take my shirt off and all that stuff. Like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And then, it, and then it turns out that I didn't even need to have my pants off. I don't get it. Like, the guy wouldn't even look at my hernia. Just trying to get him to take a pee. <laughs> it's like, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but I'm actually a, I'm a podiatrist. I don't know why you have your pants off. Look, but... Doc, I got my pants off already. Like the hard part's done. I'm a psychologist, Mr. Curran. I'm not sure what you're doing naked in my office. Yeah, but for the last time, yeah. Take off my shirt. An idea where we can start though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder I got in so easy to see him. Yeah. Uh, and she asked me, she goes, You want a flu shot? I said, no. Do you ever get a flu shot? No. We have the Rona too. If you want that, no. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, blood pressure is pretty good. I think resting heart rate was, uh, I think it was sixty-one. 
which is pretty good for being at the doctor, I think. So, especially yeah, mine's like me. 95. What's wrong with you, man? Yeah, I mean, that's, I'm not, that's, the, that's the anxiety. That's why yeah, I have to be. Blocker. Yeah, totally. Yeah, because I'm not as felt human. So, I should, you know, I think BP was like 121 over 78, but the, the bottom one, that's a little high. Yeah. But I need to watch it. Yeah. We had some cool calculations based on my cholesterol and my age and my blah, blah, blah. And if I don't change anything, I got about a 3% chance of heart attack. If I lower my blood pressure a little bit and everything else, about a 1% chance. So. Per day or? Per day. Yeah. Add them all. So by the end of the month, I'm pretty much tits up. Yeah. <laughs> Schmuck. Yeah. I know anything about gambling odds. Yeah, exactly. That's not good. <laughs> to lower it from a 3% chance to a 1% chance is, is good. I like those odds. So. Uh, tell me. You tell me that information. You should come check my doctor out. I think she's good. Yeah. So. And you'll have to get naked at the very end, which is not bad. It's still awkward because you're, like, you're turned around and grabbing the table and there's somebody still talking behind you. And then only one hand on the shoulder, which is good. Yeah, and then a quick. Um, they put a hand on your shoulder. They do that. She oh, yeah, even, I, there's no way she can reach my shoulder, dude. She's literally like five foot tall, if that. Yeah. yeah. When I'm do they start six two? Start, like, bent 40? over the table, huh? When do they start doing this? Forty, forty-five. Uh, yeah, around forty, I think. Um, and I always requested it earlier, but that's a different story altogether. But. <laughs> I mean, when she did it, like. You can be honest with us, just us. Does it feel kind of good? Or... <laughs> it's just us. <laughs> it's quite quick. Um, yeah. She's like, okay, well, let's see. I uh, no visible hemorrhoids and, and your sphincter's tight and your prostate feels pretty good. Okay, that's good. That's it. And I'm like, okay, thanks, doc. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty quick procedure in that regard. Yeah. I've never yeah, there's no to... way I would go to the guy doctor for that. I would have to go to a See, I didn't even pick girl doctor. a girl. I had a girl doctor. I had a, that sounds so awful. I had a female a physician in, uh, in Lincoln, too, just by accident. I was like, whoever's available. And then same thing here. I, I was looking online. I'm like, oh, that guy's got some good ratings. So I'm like, hey, I want to get a, I need an appointment with Dr. Huffenbutts or whatever. Like, oh, he's not taking any new patients. And I'm like, well, you should probably update the website then because it says he is. Oh, well, uh, Dr. So-and-so is. You want me to see if she'll take any new patients? And I'm like, uh please yeah so then like two days later yeah she's uh she'll take you on as a patient and uh, we can get you in, in like a month i'm like awesome so that was monday yeah so she's a good doc apparently but uh, yeah it was just a but still um yeah here's some kleenex if you want to clean up and i'm like yeah the money's on the dresser you know so yeah, was... I wasn't even going to talk about that, but I heard about your experience, and I'm like, well, I, what, what are the odds we both get a physical the same week? That's pretty funny. Yeah, I should have made a podcast out of it. Could have. Yeah, they did that on uh, Bob and Tom. They call it Proctober. And uh, <laughs> Chick McGee got an exam on the air one time. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I probably, yeah, it didn't, that didn't cross my mind. Yeah, there was a lot of things crossing my mind, but that's not one of them. Yeah, so just, <laughs> you, you don't you don't know when she's gonna like attack like you're turned around she's like okay go ahead and you know undo your pants and drop your underwear 
and then turn around and face the bench and, and bend over and, and I grab that. I'm like, okay. And then she's like, okay. And I'm just back here getting ready. And I'm like, I don't even know what that means, you know? And then she goes, okay, um, here I come. <laughs> Basically like. <laughs> hey, cheese. Basically. Yeah. So anyways, enough of, of uh, ass man talk, but uh, no, it was good. So you got to get, uh, make sure everything's running all right. So it was good. Good, good checkup. Yeah, some things to improve on, but overall, not too bad considering. Yeah, so not exactly a, you know Olympic swimmer body, but we're doing okay. So <laughs> just saying. Oh, quick too, guys. Since I think uh, according to my random schedule that runs through my head, I think the next entertainment spotlight was going to go to Mr. Raleigh. But if he doesn't show up, we might have to kick it to Richard. I think it, would you be next? I think so. I think so. I just give you some heads now in case Rawls texts in or calls or shows up. You know, we don't want to leave the gang hanging. I don't want to spring it on you last moment, like best thing of the week. So, you know, let that float around your head a little bit. But uh, yeah, that was a good reach around, guys. That uh, not bad. That was most of our podcast already. We were basically through the first segment, but hey, we can skip some stuff. We can do whatever. This is our podcast. That's the great thing about it. And while I'm thinking about it, see, I want to give another shout out to Mr. Bob O'Rourke. Uh, word got through the grapevine uh, about our podcast and that we were talking about Bob. And so Bob's been listening. Bob's a huge fan of podcasts and just gathering knowledge and reading and everything. So Bob's been listening. So Bob, this is Wells Cargo. We hope you listen in perpetuity, my good sir. And that's an inside joke between Bob and myself. So I had to share that to him but uh couldn't be prouder to have bob even know that we exist in what we're doing so that's pretty yeah, cool hopefully he'll learn a thing or two from listening it's, it's to about us. time yeah i mean at this point anything's going to be good so you know what what can you do I mean, we shed some light on his little life and uh yeah that's uh... <laughs> i can't even say that with a straight face yeah there's nothing i gotta tell the quick story too about that we've all obviously i wasn't around for this but Bob and a local doctor in Pendleton had like a long standing, like, like a prank war, you know, they would like steal each other's letterhead and all this kind of stuff. And I've heard a lot of these stories, but one of my all time favorites is this doctor took out like a full page ad in the Pendleton newspaper. And it says the surprise birthday party for Bob O'Rourke has been canceled due to lack of interest, you know, <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, it's just like good old fashioned, simple, like I'm going to get you stuff like that. So that's just one of the, the many stories I remember that for sure. But uh, oh, it's we'll a hilarious prank. It's the best, dude. Yeah, they used to mess with each other. Like the doc, they were out, they were duck hunting, I think, on the ice or maybe goose hunting. Anyways, they were hunting waterfowl. It's wintertime on the ice. There's three or four of them. Doc's over there wandering around like, Doc, quack. They called him quack. That ice is thin. Get away from there, man. Ah, whatever and sure as hell he goes through the ice in his waders you know so he's freaking drowning so they crawl out there and the first thing he says is throw me your wallet you know that's just like <laughs> <laughs> such good friends so you know that's that's the stories we got to hear when we're sitting around the elks having some pontification and so uh anyways that's bob so glad to know you're out there listening we we love you and can't uh, thank you enough for that so 
With that, we'll kick into our uh, quick entertainment spotlight. It's one reason uh, I gave a little extra time between podcasts because uh, we were, you know, I had the book uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, and it is lengthy. Um, it goes by fast if you listen to it. Richard, if, maybe if you're driving all the way to Bulgaria and back, you might be able to get through it all. But um, I like it because it, it's, um, he's got a great story. I think if you're listening to it on the audio version, especially, it's cool to hear the guy who helped him write it also reads it and then they'll stop and have a little intermissions when he kind of tells some backstory. So um, any of you guys get to listen to it at all? No. I have, I have to confess I failed. I really wanted to do it and uh, I had I, I can't make any good excuse. It's like but, I uh, don't even know you anymore. No, no, I fully expected that because it is a lengthy um, and, and it's good to be able to devote some time to it. So I wanted to throw it out there for that. I figured we wouldn't all get through it. I didn't even get through it all myself um, but I've obviously listened to it a few times already but it's it's definitely something good. Even if you like listen like 30 or 30 minutes or an hour a day, just to listen to, you know, his life story growing up. And then when he gets into the military, like, you know, a little spoiler, like he goes through hell week to get in the seals three times in one year. Like most people can't even do it once all three times. He gets to the very end of hell week. Um, and then they goes into the rest of buds training for seals. Like that alone is absolute insanity. Um, and that's the beginning of his mental adventure because it's really about ultimately it's about how he has his mind trained to to let him do things that most people just shake their head like he literally ran on broken legs the whole time in in buds like he would duct tape them up duct tape a sock duct tape a sock duct tape a sock and go run I, I heard his interview on Joe Rogan. Yeah. That's where I and first then, heard about him. Yeah. He's got two then, on um, Rogan. I thought it was really weird that Lex, I can't remember what Lex's last name is. He's on Rogan all the time too. And he's uh, from MIT. Has a great oh. podcast. Uh, I'm trying to find it right now. Anyways, he gets to interview like Elon Musk and all these great academic minds and, um, Jordan Peterson and mm, yeah, um, I just he just did one with John Keller who I've never heard of who worked for Intel and designed microprocessing chips, quite possibly one of the smartest human beings I've ever heard talk on the radio, or on the on a podcast. And uh, but Lex was just opining about Goggins and like said how of all the guests he had he was the most inspirational, and like he asked himself would Goggins give up. And obviously, he never gives no. up. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's. I, I couldn't agree more. I think anybody who's read his stuff or heard him, that goes through your mind when you're doing almost anything. Like, would Goggins give up? That's a better trade right there. We got. We definitely upgraded from Joel. Yeah. Jesus <laughs> <laughs> going in for some wine. Can't blame her, but we'll take the upgrade anytime. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome uh yeah so you know if you can just listen to him on one of the rogan podcasts or anywhere else too his uh his mindset he's you know he speaks quite frankly um which i appreciate also but then to, to hear you know he goes a lot about growing up and how uh, 
some stuff that hit me just the other day. It was like how he had to accept all of that stuff before he could move on. Like he thought he could just just plow it over and it'd be okay because I'm a SEAL and I'm doing this. Like, no, no, I, I got stuff I got to address like mentally, health-wise and get in check before I can really go do anything else. I'm like, you're already achieving it 10 times the level of the average moron and you're still realizing that you, you're you not where you need to be. So, yeah. And what does he do now? <laughs> I think what now he... he does a lot of, I think he still runs, I think. Um uh, I, but it does a lot of speaking and stuff also, I think in the book, of course, too, but you know, he really got into ultra marathons and, and those endurance races um, after he got out of the military. And at one point he finds out his heart's basically trash um, also. So that's another whole, I probably spoiled that alert, but you know, like, like he should have been dead a hundred times over already because he has an awful heart and they get that fixed. But yeah, it does a lot of ultra marathons, which are like, you know, hundred some mile races um, as well. But um Oh, and, and then for a long time also, too, he was chasing the pull-up record. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, and even the story about that, like, all he, he tries that two or three times, I think, and, you know, and and the skin literally rolling off his hands from so many pull-ups and, and how to get through all that. But, yeah, that's um, – when it's cold mornings, and I, like when I would be up in South Dakota or Lincoln and I'd be going for a walk or run, like, early in the morning, and it's ass cold and it's snowing, and I'm like – I got to listen to Dave though, because he sure as hell would be out here, you know, and I got ice in my beard and stuff. And I'm just like, this is awesome. You know? So it really, it really, uh, you're right. When you said that, like, would Dave give up? No. And so uh, it's, it's a pretty cool thing. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't read it. I felt obligated to um, start on the Bill Gates book. And- yeah. I can guarantee you after slogging through that book, I'm going to be happy to have an inspirational uplifting book because, uh, yeah, yeah no doubt. Maybe I'll... Book so far is, uh, his heart is in the right place, but it's crap tackle. Yeah. Is it, is in the book. I, I saw Bill Gates in the news. He's in the news way too much, by the way, but yeah, he's just in the news again with, uh, he said people shouldn't eat. Oh yeah, people in developed countries should eat fake meat basically because we can afford it and it's better for resources. Why is he in the news so much? This guy needs to go. Same with Fauci. Because there is no news. That's a big part of it. Um, They're talking about what people think they ought to talk about, and there's not much else. They want to detract from other things as much as possible. So. Yeah, it's all about divide and conquer, Mr. Joel, if I really want to get up in the black helicopter of conspiracy. So, yeah. There's so a, do you guys there's want to get into the conspiracy uh, stuff at all today? We could in a minute, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You can do that. There's a huge news vacuum with Trump being gone. I'm, yes. The press, must, the press must just be salivating, waiting for CPAC next week when he makes his first public appearance. Public appearance again. So, Besides yeah. the parades and stuff down here. They, they did actually ask what's her dick, like a semi-pointed question the other day about the detention camps. He's like, it's the same thing that was going on when you guys said that Trump was putting kids in cages. It's the same exact thing. How, what What's the difference? What'd she say? Nothing. Of course. Circle yeah. back to it. She did what are these people that. doing? They aren't doing anything. They don't talk to the media. They don't tell us anything. Even no, just tell us something controversial. 
it's extremely like, like it's so funny I, I just sent this on uh and i didn't go ultra validate it but it's a good source where i got it from but like there's the white house youtube page and like <laughs> comments are disabled and like they showed like four or five different little speeches that biden had given and on average it was like um let's say 500 thumbs up maybe and you're and like six to ten thousand thumbs down uh, on the post and, and they had comments turned off <laughs> wow and i get slews of lefties on their twitter like i can't fucking believe we did this like it's worse than we ever thought it would be like it's it's it, obviously it's fucking way too late but um and everybody's gonna forget anyways but yeah it's i'm waiting for more of these executive orders to get uh, through the court system um for sure i just saw a thing this evening where a business owner and his lawyer in california are like hey, hey governor wick dick pound sand we're opening our restaurant we know better you don't know a thing it's all right and and i could not agree more like the fact that we ever let anybody in the government tell us what was the essential what should be open what shouldn't like it's it's the people's choice man like if 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 my business is open and nobody wants to come in because they don't feel safe, that's on me, seriously. But why is there anybody, or if I want to go to a sporting event or anything else, like whose call is that? Like, seriously, if the government's that concerned about our health, they ought to be swatting the Big Macs out of your fucking hand every time you go through the drive-thru. <laughs> like there's the true, you know, health scare in America. It's not something that 99.9% .9 of people survive. Let's say it again. So, you know, it's not about that. It's about control. So there was a really good, uh, I think the quick little uh, video. What? Go ahead, Joel. Then Richard can jump in. Oh, there was a, there was a video that quickly made its rounds on, on Twitter, either yesterday or today of, uh, Ron Paul in the eighties, uh, on a talk show. And I think it was, I, what I can gather, it was like, a. Ron Paul is a libertarian, so he's against all sorts of government influence, including like drug enforcement and stuff. And they wanted government intervention. There's one guy, and Ron Paul said to this guy, he's like, uh, you look a little overweight. Looks like, do you want the government to tell you what to eat? Right? Yeah. Well, of course not. Listen, Scooter, that sure to happen in New York. Like, what, what, who was the guy? Was it Bloomberg? You can't have like one seventy ounce soda pop or whatever. You have two thirty. Yeah. You can't buy a seventy ouncer. Yeah. So, hey, Richard, what yeah, was your comment? Oh, I just thought uh, I wanted to mention that uh, DeSantos, your governor, had the best uh, sign off with Biden on a first call. Yeah. I got. I uh, props to that guy. Yeah. Joel's government governor, however, seems to be like on his way to the big house so i'm interested so. to see how it works it's been interesting yeah. yeah so for those of you who don't follow along or get texts and tweets from me governor santos in florida's like told biden to go fuck himself that was his first little uh, sign off which i thought he must be a far reaches fan um and then and he's not a, mike is not even lying those are his words verbatim i guess yes because it was giving him hell about well Biden had brought up the fact that he might start restricting travel from Florida. Um, you know, it's like, um, no, so it's xenophobic if Trump's going to shut down people coming in from China, like the source of where this thing came from. And he's like, you're going to restrict domestic travel. 
and he's like, what's your plan for this, Joe? And he's like, you should, you need to call me President Biden or whatever. He's like, you can go fuck yourself. And he hung up the phone. And I was like, man, that guy just went up like 15 points, dude. Easily. Yeah. I'm like, no doubt about it. Yeah, I like that guy. But yeah, and then Cuomo's coming under fire because people started chirping on that. And I think once that, once that balance tips where you got liberals pecking on him too, like de Blasio threw him right under the bus, like instantly, like, yeah, that's classic. <laughs> well, their, their, their entire relationship has been uh, dicey. It's like a power. Cuomo mm. is uh, definitely likes the power and kind of undermines Biden every chance he gets or not Biden, uh, uh, de Blasio. De Blasio. Yeah. And yeah, I've always thought Cuomo is just such a slimy, fucking greaseball connected mafia so wannabe or maybe he really is i don't know but like yeah. the pe- the liberals that love this guy I'm like why do you like this guy he asks rhetorical questions i hate people who ask rhetorical questions extremely arrogant like just when you watch yeah. this like just beyond arrogant and like the, the fact that they were just slobbing his knob during this entire COVID thing with the Emmy. I don't know how, how you even win an Emmy for what he was doing. I guess he was really acting his ass off now that I think about it. He wrote a book about leadership during COVID. Like, would you even have time to write a book during COVID if you had such good leadership? You know, and then now everybody, even AOC, my my, my hot lefty girlfriend, she was like, we, we got to look into this. Yeah, it's not like Republicans and Democrats in, in the state assembly are, are saying the same thing. So, well, he's a bully, I, I guess. Yeah. And it wasn't that long, maybe like two or three months ago, there was this I don't even remember who the woman is, but uh, she accused him of sexual harassment. And that just got swept aside so quickly as, like, oh, she's doing it. Yeah. The, the Democrats were saying oh, it was just political. Like, like what happened to like believing them like and now it's well, so right, clear, yeah. it's so clear that of course he did that he's he yells at people and he harasses them non oh, he's just such a slime ball he's gonna look really small standing next to andrew lang yang yeah yang. yeah picture yang on andrew lang i think was a basketball player anyways yeah but yang i think he's got a chance uh, it'd be interesting um, anything's better than that whistled like bastard but yeah because he, he threatened a uh, like a junior democratic uh, representative too so like i will i will completely kill your career or something like that too and hey we got yeah. scraps of source in the background joining us again yeah so, <laughs> so yeah i think it's, um, it's starting to pile i think there, there comes a point a tipping point if you will we're like yeah everybody's pretty much in agreement like that it's not a partisan deal like we have to look into this I can feel like the uh, the feelings of New Yorkers is shifting a little bit, like the the general the temperature mm-hmm. in the room. Um, and I think people Yang started out very strong, but I think it's fading quickly because he's really out of touch. Like yeah, with the I sent you that video of the guy just absolutely beating the shit out of the Asian delivery driver. Yeah, uh, on the bicycle with the baseball bat. Yeah. And at the same time, Yang is tweeting photos and he's like, he was standing under, for example, he tweeted a photo underneath a, a street. So there's like a gay street in New York and he's under the street sign being like, yeah, like, yeah, man, of course you're, 
not homophobic. Nobody's gonna, accusing like, you of like, homophobic. <laughs> Like, how about bigger you problems about what you're right going to do, man? Like, seriously, people, I think we saw this in the last election for sure. People are starved for honest leadership. I don't, you know, there's a point where it becomes too honest, but I think just honest leadership, like, I believe this, I think this has to happen. And here's why, like, here's my thoughts, here's my plan. I really think, like, as most humans would, they're like, that sounds like an idea. Either I like it or I don't, but you know, at least I know how this person's thinking and where they're coming from, for God's sake. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, I, I, I certainly hope anyways, people are looking for more substance besides like, I'd like to point out that we have the first female treasury secretary. I don't care. What are they doing? I I have a chipmunk in there as long as they're making good choices for God's sake. Just saying, I mean, like, (laughs) Again, it's about what are you doing? Who <laughs> judging you by your merits and what you get accomplished? I don't care what you try to do or what your hopes are. I don't give a shit. You know, this well, is a- T- Tucker Tucker Carlson brought up a really good point on his show tonight. I only watched a little bit of it. It was like opening, but what? I'm just thinking back to like I don't know what was it 15 years ago when I met you, maybe longer. those fucking words would have never come out of your mouth but anyways (laughs) proceed yeah no i i even feel like i i didn't i don't know how much it's i change versus they think they definitely got a left wheel in the ditch man there's no doubt about it yeah um what was tucker yapping about i I missed it i was on the phone so it's about controlling the narrative and the most of the media is so concerned about racial issues mostly. Um, oh, I saw the graph. That's what he was talking but then about. He, yeah. But then let's talk about they've and, and 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 if you do like a Google search of like when did this become a big topic, it became a big topic right around the time of Occupy, Occupy. Wall Street when people really started trying to pay attention to the largesse of uh, of wall street essentially mm-hmm. um started asking questions about the wealth gap and it, it's like kind of a distraction from that um like and he brought up a good point like what happened i don't know how many trillions of dollars we printed like if you go back to the the financial crisis and the, we had to do the bail out the banks that sparked occupy wall street in the first place and what was that it was like 700 billion dollars and that seemed like all the money in the world yeah they they, they that it's that a receipt, is a man. blip that yeah. is that is a rounding error with what they're <laughs> doing right now and yeah, where is all this nobody's asking the question where is all this fucking money going and and the people are only getting how much have they gotten total so the i think that how much have people gotten in stimulus dollars eighteen hundred dollars is all yeah oh wait well, I didn't know. Is it two? Well, like, I think it's, is it 1400 coming up? Supposedly six. this next time there was 600 once for sure. But they haven't, Biden hasn't even done yep. the 1400 extra. Oh. Like, what's going on? What's happening? I don't know what's happening with that. But. The current bill, I think, in the House is like for $1.9 trillion and well over one something, according to Wall Street Journal, over a trillion has nothing directly to do with COVID. Well, that's the way more than a trillion. Way more than a trillion. 1.4 million or something. A trillion is nothing to do directly with COVID relief. 
Well, or for the people, if like total, there's been like, I want to say something like five trillion dollars or six trillion has been printed in the last year, um, and they've only given people probably, I don't know, half half a trillion of that is going to the people, other than um, unemployment benefits that because yeah. they, they did boost that a lot people who were unemployed um but where does where's the rest of that where's most of that going and that's what new york times should be talking about not i said here's one still one still 1.7 trillion trillion still 1.7 trillion dollars that are hasn't been spent yet yeah man that's ridiculous yeah Yeah. i'm like like spend it i'll take advantage of it all you gotta do is put some money in the stock market and that's gonna go up as long as they're doing this there's that yeah people lose sight of the fact that it's it's not the government's money like really it's because it's fake it's nobody's money but in in theory it comes from the people already um the government doesn't produce shit you know they don't make anything it all comes from us that's the whole point. And people forget that. I think I know damn well politicians forget that. Um, that's the whole vast backwards approach to all of this crap. But, you know, and it's always, this is going to crap. Oh, look over at this shiny thing or look at this. Like, I, I saw that graph you were talking to that was on Tucker. And in 2011, I think or so, the, the usage of the word racism like went up like 20 fold on average um, since then. You know, and, and that's just the beginning. Um, and I, I saw him, he was playing uh, all the media clips about, I can't think of the guy's name in Wisconsin. And they said, unarmed black man, unarmed black man, unarmed black man, like 30 times on all these different shows. They interviewed the guy and he's like, yeah, I had my knife. And I, you know, he fully admits that he was definitely armed, but the narrative has been to preach racism and hate and, and all these other things and like, divide us up so we're fighting amongst ourselves and so they can go do whatever they're doing on the side right now that's the whole point i think tucker's made several times and we've talked about too it's like it's never about what they say it's about none of yeah, the and, and and i think he, he alluded to it but he didn't go into any depth on it but and i agree with it is that there there is racism in this country and the racism would be unequal outcomes in the court of law so and that's mm-hmm. been proven over and over. If you go to, if you're in court for the same crime with like a black guy, the black guy is going to get a worse outcome. And that, that's fucked up. That's absolutely, yeah. Um, but they don't, they don't talk about that. They, that's not what they're focusing on on the left. But that should probably be. Because that would actually be a real affirmative change. And, but that's going to impact their little happy world way too much. Um, just like, um, I did catch this part when he was talking about, I guess this is the Tucker Carlson review hour. Um, basically the stronghold that, you know, and we've talked about the education too. Like if you go to Harvard, if you go to Yale, if you go to Princeton, like if it's truly about change, um, they should be taking no people that have ever had college in their background ever before um, to really turn that upside down. If you want equality and shifting the narrative, that's where it goes. You put the whole new system of people going into havoc, you know, it's not gonna happen because that's it's what they call they call it the caste system. I think is what it was. It's 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 pretty impressive. 
It's never yeah, about what they say it's about. Don't ever forget that. And that's not black helicopter shit. That's just looking around and being like, "Durr, what happened to two weeks, man? We're coming up on the one year anniversary. Remember that? Yeah, just yeah. saying. Two weeks to flatten the curve is yeah almost a year Dumbest ago. Fucking thing we've ever done in our entire lives is giving up that. And yeah. Like, yeah, that's a good idea. Well, you, you know what I did uh, this last week? I guess another thing I've done is. Um, since our last podcast have decided to uh, for the most part get rid of the face mask when i'm outside yeah and it feels for a while it felt very uncomfortable um because everybody has it on i'm just somebody's gonna nobody's setting it to me yet but i I just feel like somebody's gonna say something to me but and i'm like what am i gonna say back like um like air it's you're outside calm down totally Um, yeah but it, uh, we've been so easily, what, what's the word? So, so easily uh, socialized or conditioned. Yeah. Easily condi- so easily conditioned in New York that masks are mandatory, and if you don't wear, it, you're gonna you're you're actively trying to kill people. And, and it's it's a it's a it's one of the biggest security blankets uh, I've ever seen. But sometimes you just wear it because it's cold out. That's fine. I mean, wrap your scarf around your head. That's okay. Whatever. Again, if you want to wear a mask, I don't give a shit. I'm going to think you're ridiculous. That's okay. But, you know, I, again, this is all, like, it boils down to the simple fact that this is all about choice and all about freedom. And that's two things they don't want anything to do with. But the government has zero responsibility for telling us if we can go to a business or if it can be open or not. It's our choice. Seriously. They have no control over this. They should not have any input whatsoever about where we go and what we do and if my business is open or not. That's step number one where we slipped on that banana peel way back then. Like this essential versus non-essential business too, like makes my head explode. But it's about choice. Like if I want to go to a store and they're open, fine. If I don't feel comfortable with that, that's my choice. Like seriously, this, it went way off in the wrong track way back then because it's not their job at all it's never been about their job it's our responsibility that's it yeah, and i i can't even keep up with the mixed messages coming from biden and fauci about oh, this thing okay. one day they're like i think recent there's a new clip of fauci out saying like yeah even after you get your vaccine like don't expect that you're going to be able to go out to dinner or go to a movie or socializing groups uh we're still in talks of seeing what people will be able to do (laughs) what's happening he's one dude like this is the country of a you know representative republic he's one asshole like screw you man like look around like there's states everywhere they're telling people to go pound sand we're gonna go do what we want and that's what it's all about it's gonna keep the tide's gonna keep turning because like they're playing their cards, man. It's just like it, people aren't buying it anymore. They should not be buying it at all. Um, it's nothing to do with them whatsoever. If you think about when he first talked about it, if you want to listen to that little bastard says, like, you shouldn't be wearing masks. That's ridiculous. Nobody needs to wear a mask. And recently, maybe even three. Like, are you out of your ever-loving gourd, man? Like, who's checking this guy for sanity? And who's checking us for even listening to what he has to say? It's like, that's one person. That's, I mean, that's ridiculous. 
Seriously. And if, if any doctors have any dissenting opinions, like they are immediately crushed. And that's also. Yeah, that was the other thing I was talking right. about is a disinformation. It, so the segment was on disinformation about how this push by the media. And this came up on Clubhouse. It's like, you can't have Clubhouse because how are we going to get fact checkers in there? Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> That's not your job, dude. The, we don't need fact checkers. Like, who's fact checking you? That's my job. I fact check. That's me. It, it is. It's becoming more and more of a de facto uh, state-controlled media. Whereas it, you have to toe this party line of what our CDC or whoever it is, whatever they say, which is a clearly political organization at this point. And if you if you if you don't mirror that, we're gonna remove you from your platform. Yeah, and that is that's state-controlled media. That's no opinion. better than China. Yeah, when other former Eastern Bloc countries, i.e., Poland, are looking at these things, saying, "Guys, this is wrong. <laughs> your freedom of speech is completely gone." Like Eastern Bloc countries are looking at us, going, "You guys are screwed. What are you doing?" Like they've been there they know it like they're the ones pointing it out how sad is that that's ridiculous. the sad thing is there's nothing you can do about it i think you have to keep believing in the human spirit and just keep pushing on because like it, it's got to turn i mean um i i don't know but that's what my pollyanna says like yeah um people have to keep standing up like like i saw the guy on tucker tonight like him and his lawyer like we're staying open like we're not wearing a mask like talk on football there'll be full stadiums this summer or, or baseball like it's outside we have all these people vaccinated we have all the numbers are static are going down we certainly what are trending towards what people would call herd immunity um pound sand like seriously what do you, you I just, I'm I think really interesting really in there richard um i just think it's interesting the perspective that you have based on your geographic location I cannot even imagine how suffocating New York must be in the most remote part of the lower 48 states. I have, I don't even worry about Fauci. I don't worry about masks. I don't worry about any of that stuff. I went to Idaho mm -hmm. other than to get into the restaurant. Nobody gave a crap if we had a mask on or anything. Um, not going into the convenience stores, not going into the grocery stores. It's just not even a factor. Just a totally, it's got to be such a night and day different world in New York. Yeah, you're so right. Yeah. Yeah, it brings up a lot of different issues, whereas like New York is kind of the media capital of the world. So all the, all the news is out of here and, and they're living that lifestyle where <clears throat> you outside, uh, 99 out of 100 people have a mask on out walking around on the street um which if you're in any other part of the country except for maybe la or san francisco that just seems insane right yeah. but here away. it's totally normal and if and if they were to if you were to pick up somebody in my neighborhood and put drop them in in your neighborhood um they would think you guys are fucking crazy people Still you here. and your gun, you and your gun. Still here though, yeah. <laughs> trying to kill grandmas and whatever. Uh, yeah, I think, but the the media people that 
set the national agenda are living are immersed in this oh, new york yeah. city lifestyle. they're eating their own shit there for sure yeah what was it last week or week and, before there was the huge story about the store in florida where nobody was wearing a mask it's like uh, uh, yeah, yeah. duh yeah like, <laughs> well but the reach the media reaches far and wide because like especially amongst the younger demographics in idaho i didn't see anybody I can't put a real good age on it, but I'd say I didn't see anybody over 35 wearing a mask. Everybody 35 and below, um, probably three out of five people were wearing masks voluntarily. Yeah. So, and which is odd because it's the demographic least at risk, other than Richard, who's three. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a state, it's a statement, isn't it? People are making a statement. It's a weird psychological. statement might not be too statement's not right it's not the right word it's a it's a psychological giving in it's yeah i think there's probably some security some, some security blanket to it also like oh i feel so good i have my mask on i'm safe um i don't have to worry well, you know unless there's somebody think about a mask think about what that generation's been taught is that everybody's the same everybody you don't want to overachieve you don't want to be the tall poppy mm-hmm. so the best way to have that anonymity is to remove all the features of their expressions and the great equalizer is when this is all that everybody sees in everybody mm-hmm. and yeah, if you if you just think of how much Body language communication is not conveyed when you're using a mask. Just think of the relationship ties that are severed by. So it plays into everything that that generation has been taught in our school systems. And it makes them feel good because they've been made to feel bad for so long about their whatever circumstance they are in their life, they, they have in their life. So by being wearing the mask, they finally can choose the anonymity that has been preached to them for so long. And they're only just going to communicate by their phone anyways and never look up as it is. Fits right into your day pretty well. Yeah, and if you, uh, if you don't, another thing about it here is if you don't follow those rules, like it, 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 it affects your social life, like people who are your friends well they they're like oh i'm not gonna hang out with him because he doesn't wear a mask outside <laughs> yeah okay. which is, you know not really friendly. including yeah well i mean like i'd say like if we were they've just been so like, socially conditioned to and that's sad follow those rules that if you don't follow the rules yourself then you must be QAnon or something which, uh, whatever the fuck that is yeah seriously yeah. <laughs> can you point to that thank you yeah richard you got something even, in your head yeah i don't even know what that yeah i don't even know what it is so yeah it's ridiculous yeah. like if to lose a friend over something like that or even like one step up like politics i, I think it's one of the saddest things and something that's really what's going wrong with what we do is like well, you and I, Joel, for example, like when we started out, like 
that's pretty much all we talked about. And we'd argue back and forth and cuss and discuss, but like we were still underneath friends. Like we respected each other enough to have a conversation about it, but we disagreed on a lot of stuff, but we kept yapping about it. And like, that was almost what I looked forward to when you came to town, like sweet. He's going to talk to me yeah. for a while, you know, people call me Tommy Joel or yeah, you're my, my favorite comedy Co- yeah. bastard. bastard. Favorite comedy bastard. Yeah. Like, you, you guys, um, I mean, everybody called me that, and you guys all disagreed clearly. And I was pretty relatively left wing at the time because I was in college or just out of college. But yeah, like you guys didn't like hate on me for it. You yeah. pitched me shit, oh, and I give you guys sweet shit. in town. Let's 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 go talk because like it was always good conversation. We might disagree. Uh-huh. Um, you might point something. Out. I'm like, well, yeah, I guess you got a point there. I'll give you that. But are like, but what about this? But it was always just like it was part of our fun. Like That's also the, revisionist history back then. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I regret my position back then because I think there was a time in Republicans' life that was, you guys were, some of them were fucking crazy. Like the neo-Christian or whatever. Remember the Christianity was such a big thing? Yeah, there's always the fringe of chaos on that, all that sides. That disgusted like, me. It's, it's like people know. chaining themselves to trees, for God's sake, when I was growing up. Like, that's ridiculous, too. Like, there's always going to be the extreme and no matter what. And that, I'm not just blanketly pushing that off. But my ultimate point was like, this whole country is built on disagreement and discourse and discussion. That's ultimately the whole point about it is we have debates. We talk things out. We can disagree. Like we make our best point for it. I don't, somebody said this the other day and it made such an awesome point to me. And I don't like to put people in liberal versus conservative buckets, but he made this point. He said, conservatives often look at a liberal and say, there's a good person with a bad idea, you know? And, and liberals tend to look at conservatives and say, there's a bad person with a bad idea. Like it's completely like a whole nother level of hate and discontent, at least recently. And it's like, no, it's like, you're just still a good person. You just got a different idea. Like we've totally lost track of that. Like you can't disagree anymore. And that's so wrong. Like that's what we're all about is disagreeing and talking it through and oh yeah, well, well, screw you. Like, you know, it's like, it's not this, I not, not like the term cancel comes from drives me insane, but it's like, if you disagree with somebody, we're, we're, we're physically going after your well-being. Um, or the guy who was Trump's lawyer, like their people are painting shit in his driveway and like harassing his family. Or if you represent somebody they don't like, they harass your business and like try to run you out. Like, it's one thing to vote with your money, you know, where you want to do business, but like physically assaulting people or harassing them for something that they believed in completely legal. And you're going off the deep end. Like that's absolutely insanity, you know? And, and that's instantly to get somebody not to listen to what you have to say in my mind. Yeah. Just saying, uh, I mean, that's, that's the, yeah. that's the track we've got down. It, it needs to. Back we, in, back in the ditch. bush. Back in the Bush years, the, the big topic was uh, was gay marriage. Yeah, that oh, was yeah. a that was I think that was one of the driving forces. Maybe why looking back, at it, it was probably why I was a Democrat because I couldn't. I always thought it was ridiculous that conservatives were telling somebody that they cannot do something. And yeah, now it's now it's the Democrats telling people they cannot do something. But back then it was. No, you want to get married? Yeah, you can't. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah, of course, totally they can get married. It's nobody's business. I think um, I don't care. Like, and that ties really close to the biblical beliefs that you know a man should not lay with another man. But I still think a it's a state right for one. 
and B, it's nobody's damn business for two, I think. It's like, you know, it's not your job to regulate what I do in my, my perfect time. It's really not, um, you know, so, but that a lot of that stemmed from not being legally recognized and not being able to get benefits for your partner, which I think is completely wrong too. But, you know, yeah, again, what, how crazy is this country gone when now the Republicans are talking about As, freedom of speech and rights? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's how far left the left is gone. It's shoved us over to the middle. Take them on. <laughs> And as contentious as that, as contentious as that debate went over whether uh, rights for marriage got, they were never in such a place that they got dropped off of their dropped off of buildings like they did in Iraq for their sexual preference. It was never elevated to that level. There, you didn't have to fear. Well, I should phrase this correctly. A great majority of people that chose alternative lifestyles were allowed to operate in normal society in all possible manners without fear of the majority the majority were able to operate in regular society without fear of being killed yeah yeah the majority that's a good that's a good uh preface because it definitely happens. There were things that yeah, absolutely, yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, and, and that's, I think, um, that's a, it shows a good point about, I think, learning um, on a large scale, too. That's pretty cool. And that's what we've always done. You know, like, everybody always, that's one of the favorite things to do is just trash how shitty this place is. And I'm like, well, you know, I, I really don't get where you're coming from because if you can find a better spot anywhere in the world that's remotely doing what we do as far as freedoms and what people are treated like and what rights you have, then please point it out. And if nothing else, go there. But like, there's literally countries in Africa right now that still do slave trading to this day at this very precise moment. So get off my ass about this made up racial tension in the United States. Like, I don't see it. Now, granted, I'm a white dude who lives in Florida, but honestly, man, I just don't see it. I think it's never about what they say it's about. And if it's like, look at this shiny thing over here and let's get this thing all stirred up um, because something else is going on. So, you know, it's never been anywhere on my radar. I, I know quite a few people. I can say with a pretty solid certainty, nobody that I know is racist, okay? Or hates anybody from who they are. And so extrapolate that onto a pretty big spider web. Like it just, I don't see it. And the numbers are not there to support any of that. Is, uh, is it perfect? Absolutely not. But it's way better than it's ever been. And it's way better than anywhere else in the entire world, you know? So. Yeah, and it could get better. Uh, I think it, it will continue to get better. I think people just want it better now. And I don't think it'll work like that, but. Can be remain, you got to remain open-minded to some things. For example, we're talking about with in when in uh, court cases, for example, like you need to double down on that. Make sure that precisely. Okay, that's like fine. Why? Why? Why could? Why would that ever be a thing where two people could be charged with the same thing, and it's up to the judge to determine what the punishment is? Like it needs to be more of a menu. Like you do this, this is your punishment. Yeah, there's some conflicting variables in that for sure, because there's a pretty solid study, too, that the, the more you pay for your lawyer, 
the better your chances. And that, so it might not be a race thing. I'm sure that's a component, um, but it might just be how much lawyer I can afford. Um, it's still wrong. Don't get me wrong, but like, so instead of focusing on defunding the police and making shit up to cause riots, let's, let's actually take a physical overall look at that system. You know, um, if you're really concerned about making some change, there's things you can do. If you're more concerned about fundraising and promoting, you're pushing your agenda, like why in the holy hell does Colin Kaepernick have a fucking ice cream? I'm like, seriously, that's oppressive, all right. Ben and Jerry's has an ice cream named after you. You poor bastard. Like, that's not what that's about, okay? So kiss my ass. Richard, you're dying to say something. I always, can just tell. No, I was I always got a kick out of this because where Mike and I were raised, there wasn't many, there wasn't much diversity. Lots of white hicks, rednecks. And uh, I always remembered early 80s, 90s, there was a lot of big talk and people were talked like they were bigots. But then as I got out in the world and saw these people interact in the world and go off to the army and participate in society out of our little microcosm, what it came down to is they're just a lot of bluster and they were way too damn nice to ever discriminate against anybody. And they were the, so I think to, for Oregonians, I just think it's a, as screwed up as the state is, I think the hell of a lot of nice people come out of Oregon. And I don't think that most people in Oregon have the capacity to be racist. I, I, I have not run across a true Oregonian just because of the nature of the state and the way that it evolved in this unique little place on the West coast and all the trials and Oregon has had a tremendous past and many times in Oregon's history, it has pulled together in some of the most unlikely ways to come up with some of the most innovative solutions that have ever happened across our democracy. And why we hate it now, we have to remember that it was really sort of a, it was really sort of a great place to hail from and still is. And man, we were not a diverse state, but by God, we're one of the nicest groups of people that ever got set loose on the world. And so, <laughs> so like, so I'm, we moved to Dallas, Texas when I was in the second grade for a few years and then came back. So like, talk about complete immersion. Like I was the minority instantly where we lived. Like I was the anomaly, like the crazy, not sure if you're redneck or what you are. You're not a northerner. You're just not normal at all but you're the only white kid for blocks you know so uh talk about baptism by fire literally so yeah i i was the one that discriminated against because i was white and different you know but pretty quick dexter was my best friend down the block and so and so you know like and next thing you know you're gonna have neighborhood squabbles that's because there's boys involved it wasn't ever about race then it was just about a-holes but you know to come so that was a great experience to go into it's kind of traumatic to begin with because i've never seen a black person i'm just like richard said we were in our own little bubble but um still some of my very best friends to this day here who i met then so again maybe just lucky how i was raised but i never even really saw it i suppose so you know you do see in oregon i've seen it in pendleton several times and, and my buddy just texted me about it making fun of the guy but you ever seen the the dipshits that like around Pendleton that'll have like a Confederate flag 
on their pickup. Yeah. I don't that get all guy, wrong that with guy, the flag that guy is I don't know if he he's probably racist. Um like why would you have is, why would you have that flag? Because it's about rebellion. What are you doing? It's not about it never was for me ever. I, and I know when I was on the general land it wasn't it's, about totally disagree, Mr. Joel. It's been made to be that symbol. It's not. It's about freedom and being rebellious in my mind. That's how I always pictured the rebel flag. Never you're from Eastern flag. Oregon. You're not from Alabama. I get I it if you're from I Alabama. Was, or something. Like, not, not you, but the yeah, the dipshit driving around Pendleton with a southern flag. Dude, like, uh, what you... Alabama's album cover used to have a freaking Confederate flag on it. I mean, yeah, they're from Alabama. Exactly. If it wasn't about like we're a racist band, no. <laughs> but when like, you when you we're proud of where we come from, I I don't know. I yeah, totally disagree. No, but when you that. fly that, I'm not talking about that. Those people do. I'm talking about the guy that lives in Pilot Rock as a fucking Confederate flag. Like, what are you doing? You have no connection to that place whatsoever. You don't know what it means and what the message it's conveying. I totally you just answered your own question. Yeah, you don't. You just know answered your own question. What? How? Yeah. What? Good, Richard. They don't have the. They don't. They don't have the context to know how offensive it is to a particular set of people. All they see it is as. Okay. Yeah, that's an acceptable answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go on. And, Sorry. And I think I. I honestly believe because I've seen it time and time again. Those guys that I grew up with that had those flags and everything. When it came down to being in a situation where they had to accept a certain level of diversity, they melted right in and they were just normal human beings. There's when you're in a microcosm of all white people and you're trying to stand out, you do stupid shit. And when you don't have the context of the bigger conversation and you're 19, your prefrontal cortex isn't evolved completely, you're going to do stupid shit. But as you go out into life and you see different parts of the world that kind of stuff fades away and let's just face it there's those guys that are never going to get that exposure and they might hang on to that for a long time but they're relatively harmless and there's there's a wackadoos that there's the wackadoos that go out and shoot people up but they're so there's such a rarity they're they're just outliners in a bigger in a big big fishbowl they're and, but we emphasize who they are and glamorize it and celebritize it, but they're just an outlier. They're not, they don't at speak. Best. Yeah, but when I would look at the, like, take, let's take NASCAR, for example, especially since I live here now. I've been a NASCAR fan for a long time, but you would see, was it last year or year before, they, they said no more Confederate flags. You would look at the grandstands and see people waving the Confederate flag. I, I never, ever once even remotely thought, wow, look at that there's a racist convention going on there at all. And I don't think they thought that either. And obviously I'm putting thoughts in their head, but I think again, it was that flag was taken and made into something that I don't think it really was for most people, obviously some people, no doubt, but for most people, no, it, it, it signified like a Southern lifestyle, if you will. I think for a lot of people, you know, and like, and like the guy on the bachelor, he was defending a gal who was at a cotillion in college and people like went apeshit i'm like they were talking about southern bells and things like that and i don't think they were saying yes this is how we loved slavery because it was so good back in the day um i think 
I think it's been twisted a bit. I know it's probably not the smartest thing to do, but I don't think that's what it's about remotely. Um, for the vast. Yeah, it's interesting of to tax symbol. It, it's yeah. interesting to tax symbol. And if you notice this trajectory on, so it was the flag. I'm not defending it in any manner. And then it was statues. Mm -hmm. And now it's the founding fathers and even Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, so they took his name off of high school because there was a, there was a, what was it, irregularities in the Indian Bureau when he was president. Yeah. So really they're attacking the symbols that make up the fabric of our mythos. They're basically tearing down the mythos that is America with absolutely nothing to replace it with. And that sort of leaves us in an interesting, we're sort of adrift in an interesting time because if we don't have a common level of a common group of symbols, a common group of habits, a common dogma that ties us together um we're not that that bundle of sticks that's impossible to break you, yeah. once they separate well, they can break us all individually which kind of and seems to be the plan is, yeah they're eroding the the you're getting max headroom right now somebody said during reader mail Oh, it's always when you're like making a really cool point using awesome words. And... Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I wasn't trying to attack like the, I can't even claim to understand why the Southerners want to do it. And I understand that they might have the reasons, but it's just, that bothers me when I see somebody in the like, Eastern Oregon doing it. Like it just shouts like, Hey, look how fucking stupid I am. I'm glad you have that opinion. I mean, I, I could not disagree more. I mean, obviously, probably that person has a lower IQ, but I, again, I don't see it's not, um, they're not doing it. doesn't bother it, you as much. Not, not remotely. No. Uh, I, I don't see they're doing it as to be harmful or uh, that I'm a, that white power. I just, I think it's really more about the rebel Southern spirit. That's how I look at it. And I might be completely Pollyanna. They're not Southerners, though. Southern spirit. Like I might listen to like Leonard Skinner. I like the Southern, like just because I live in Pendleton doesn't mean I don't want to be from Alabama for God's sake. I mean, like, like, yeah, that's cool stuff. I love Skinner. I want to go down. I want to go watch Daytona. Like you don't know, like you're born there. You live there. They'll probably never, ever get to Louisiana, but maybe they really like the South. Like it's that yeah. Southern lifestyle, man. Uh, I, a couple of years ago, Roundup, uh, rejected or the main street cowboys i think they run main street during roundup week but they rejected a, a booth that wanted to sell um, confederate flags and i was like that's fantastic good for them i just Don't saw i guess i saw it so much when i was growing up too like everybody had like a rebel flag t-shirt on like you had flag in the in the back of the pickup around your four-wheeler like it, it was just like yeah like i could say yeah but i'm not a duke boy like it was just like that southern spirit man like that's the only way i could describe it it's embarrassing okay. completely different and, and that just goes to show the different point of view of like how that symbol means something so different to everyone and i guess 
if there's anything to learn out of that or discuss about it, it's like that exact point is it in itself is an inanimate object really, unless it's waving, but it means different things to different people. And part of that's because of what it's been portrayed as. So that's great discussion in my mind because we see it completely different. Um, I don't have a rebel flag. I don't think I ever had a rebel flag, but everybody around there was flags all over hell and nobody even thought about it. It was like, it would hang right with the American flag, actually underneath it, because we have protocol, but it wasn't like a beacon in the night, like, aha, there's a clan meeting over there. Like, never said it. But it, it's, it's two different times of people growing up in two different areas, and it means different things to everybody, I guess. That's, that's the whole point. So, beauty, you know? I was just looking at, uh, looking at, See, Jimmy Buffett's from Alabama, so I was trying to find a picture where he had the Confederate flag. But here's Walter Mondale with one. <laughs> Can't see your phone because of your background. Anyways, there's it, looking through the people that have been pictured with the Confederate flag is... Uh, well, yeah. And, and again, we can't... I almost said we can't whitewash our history. We can't go back and erase all of our history. I think that's the dumbest thing we can do because we're going to just go do it again. So tearing down the streets, you know, like all that stuff, like it's so ridiculous. And it, it's even, it just doesn't make any sense remotely. How could you ever have a problem with Abraham Lincoln for God's sakes? Like seriously, there's something wrong with the Indian affairs. Like I, I honestly, and I really can't think of any leader that didn't do something stupid at some point anyways, like what? cheated on their yeah. wife or had an extra kid or for God knows cheated on their taxes. I mean, like, if you want to go back and find imperfections on anybody, it's probably there. So, you know, and again, it's it's the past. Going back and taking Abraham Lincoln's name off a high school in California does not change the fact that Abraham Lincoln was an American and was our president and lived and existed and was part of our country. Like, it doesn't cease to exist. Probably in their mind, they hoped it would, but that's part of our thing we need to be able to look back on and learn from all those things. That's the whole point is, you know, you can't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it. Learn from it. Just like today, you make a mistake. Like, wow, that sucked. That was pretty stupid. what I do wrong? Aha, I won't do that again. And you move ahead. If you just instantly got your men in black and forgot about it, you probably got to go do the same stupid shit again. Oversimplifying, but that's the whole point. So, an outstanding discussion kids this is some top quality i don't even know where to begin how to write the description up for this podcast it's like and shit come in train that would be probably what i would say yeah so where are we at now in the in the discussion we got well, intellectual moment or we something? are just just fixing the plow and i'm like and what better segue into the uh the far reaches intellectual moment of the week my what? favorite segment absolutely joel lives for this because it's brought to you by our very good friends at Pendleton Mixer and Cigar in scenic downtown Pendleton. Kick in the door and say, yo, shopkeep, the Reacher sent me. And you'll get probably, well, you won't get a discount. You'll get a smirk. Maybe uh, maybe a free cigar. Ask for a free cigar. See if you can get one off those boys down there. But uh, again, my throughout the week, I'm randomly thinking of things to go um, dig up for the intellectual moment of the week. And no idea where our discussion was going to go or who we were going to talk about, but this week's quote is <clears throat> constantly seek criticism. A well thought out critique of what you're doing is as valuable as gold. 
said by none other than our good friend, Mr. Elon Musk. So constantly seek criticism. A well-thought-out critique of what you're doing is as valuable as gold. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. I've worked with some people, though, and dealt with some folks that the last thing they want is any sort of critique or criticism about their plan. Now, granted, there's a lot of ways to express your concern about their plan, but I think you should always be open to that discussion of like, hey, here's a fresh set of eyes. Come poke holes in what I'm thinking or talking about, because I've done it in this little vacuum, either in my brain or on my whiteboard. So what do you think? Where's the weak spots? Where have I made assumptions that I should not have? You know, those words I skip over when I read them and I say them, but I know they're wrong. You know, I, I think it's wonderful. Not always easy to do though. So Richard's like started I, to say I, something like three times. I found this in my. Uh, sorry, I've, I've found it in my. So somehow, amazingly, I've been able to develop this really great network of uh, people on LinkedIn that are really great sounding boards and uh, have developed a sort of an online relationship with them where they're, they feel comfortable to critique me or to criticize me and know that I'm not, I'm going to take it well. Mm -hmm. And that gives me a little bit of freedom to sort of push the envelope and poke some people that sometimes desperately need poked. But, um, and I, I got people that say, Oh, you went too far this time, but they, uh, they keep. And, it's an interesting when you get into that type of relationship with people and you can have those real honest conversations. I find sometimes the more I push the envelope of my conversations online, the more feedback that I get and more discussion gets stimulated. And I end up learning a lot more than what I set out to learn. And so for that, I'm infinitely thankful. And, uh, I, I think that it's very rarely that you develop that network. And Mike and I had that network of intimate relationships with uh, our roommates in LaGrande over several houses in a period of time where we, we felt pretty, we still to this day mockingly criticize each other, but we, we went through all the, we went through all the hard relationship stuff to get to that point where we have this enduring lifelong friendship that's pretty breachable. That's my thought. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's a two-way street on that. It's friendship and respect that, that you can take a criticism or critique from somebody, but they also feel comfortable enough that they will give that honest critique or feedback to you. Um, and I see it all the time. I, this is such a weird connection, but like, um, oh, there, there's two 911 shows now. One's in LA and one's in Texas. And the guy in, in Texas got a tattoo on his back and it said like uh, um, something, supposed to be something angel but he'd misspelled it and it said angle and it was his freaking tat on his back he was so proud of it nobody would tell him that it was jacked up like he was getting ready to like take a picture of it and put it like on facebook or something they're like finally they're like no oh, dude it says it says angle not angel but you know, like it, it, it was like and i know it's tv but 
I just don't know if I should tell him or not. I'm like, well, you bet your ass. Yeah, we'd probably let him go do something stupid, like post it and then tell him. But like, they didn't have that relationship yet where they could tell this guy, like, dude, you, you done screwed up. Um, that's stupid, you know? And so I think it's that, it is that respect though in both ways of that I'll tell you and you'll listen um, and vice versa. So I, I think that's a, it's a great place to be when, you, and especially I think if you actively, seek that and not just put up with it when it comes in the door, but of acting like I love to put something together and shoot it out. Like, Hey, here's my first draft. Um, it's like a monkey throwing something at the wall, but I want you to, you know, here's what I'm thinking where I'm trying to get, where's the holes. What have I looked over? What have I, you know, gone down the wrong rabbit trail, like stomp this for me and make it better with whether it's a presentation or a, a paper I'm writing or whatever. I, I think, I learned a long time ago not to, I tried anyways, not to attach too much ego just because I came up with it and I created it, that it doesn't necessarily couldn't be better if somebody else jumps off from there. And that's been the fun thing is, is opening that up a bit more. I think there's a lot to be said for a lot of, uh, you build a good foundation in a relationship when you're vulnerable. And that, well, that's maybe. a that's a uh, you're sending a message to the people that are around you that I think it's a level of trust. So it I, that helps build relationships. If people can see you vulnerable and they see that you trust them enough to see you when you're vulnerable, then it just builds that. It builds the layers of the relationship. Maybe that's why I have uh, a lot of respect and affinity for my new doctor. Like, She's already had her finger in my ass. I think that's pretty yeah. about as vulnerable as I can get for the most <laughs> part. I mean, not to make not to make light of what you're saying, Richard, but it, it is a connection yeah. there. Um, but you're right. And, and it was such a well-said statement about, you know, the, the respect for people who feel willing to show that you're vulnerable. Yeah, they can either trash you or, or help you, you know? So like us, we're going to trash you a little bit and then help you. But um, that's the whole point, so... What do you think, Joel? Well, I don't. I don't really know how to. Can you hear me? I have my headphones are out now. No, you it's not like you're just a little further away. But yeah, it's okay. It's not raw like um, crap. Yeah. I don't know how to apply it to my life exactly, but I think it's interesting. One of my favorite shows, and I've mentioned this a lot. So, I really like watching stand-up comedy. Yeah. But not just the. Not just like oh, make me laugh. I like to understand like how they do it and so one of my favorite shows is comedian in cars getting coffee with yes Gary Seinfeld and like if there's nothing else to watch that I'm interested in I'll just like I'll just re-watch those things and there was one recently with Leno on there and, and I've heard a few comedians say this like the great comedians will say this is that and a lot of people might not Jake Jay Leno was a great comedian oh, yeah totally yeah great point um he so a lot of comics will talk about how oh god i don't want to go on after like bill burr like because you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna bomb how do you top bill burr but leno talks about how he always wanted to go on after richard Pryor, who is considered by most of like the, the comic greats yeah. to be the great um, just because like you are set up to bomb and 
Leno's premise was he always tried to put himself in situations where he was likely to bomb um, just so he could get that feedback. So he could get that critique to make himself a better comic. Mm-hmm. Well said, uh, because that's, that's what yeah. I think when I hear that. <clears throat> I think there's a huge correlation to that because it's how you respond to that. It's, it's, I think a lot of it is having that feeling of like, I mean, I can only imagine what that feels like. I, I don't know. I imagine as high as the high is when you're rocking and rolling and the crowd's dying laughing and you're just, you're just hitting it. It's got to be double the bad when you're just flat and like crickets and like, you know, just nothing. Because you are, as Richard said, that's about as vulnerable as you can get. Like you're open, you know. Um, so, but to go through that feeling of how that is makes you work harder, makes you appreciate that high, you know, and that's, that's why those good guys always go work on that stuff and don't care who they go. Like, like Bill Burr would go blow oil in after anybody, not because he's badass, but he's badass because he's gone in well, Bill Burry, after everybody, you know, like he'll just go talk shit. <clears throat> Bill Burry talks a lot of his podcast about how he liked to like, he would play like the tough rooms, like the black rooms. Mm-hmm. Cause I think black comedy fans are notoriously uh, tougher judges of comedy than sure like what you'd find in manhattan especially like you know the little red afro at the stand bill burr yeah <laughs> yeah so if, if bill burr can go into you know can show up on the stage of i don't know the apollo or something and and kill at the apollo um then mm-hmm. he doesn't need to worry about playing uh Madison the ball yeah yeah like, yeah yeah, it's great, great it's like uh, parallel. Elvis and Jerry Lee. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis probably never even played in front of a white crowd. <laughs> exactly. Until he went yeah. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that was a great, um, a great thought path on that, Richard. Or, uh, Joel, I haven't gone down that path in my mind. Um, about the, about comedians and like just getting that that's about as raw feedback as you're gonna get and oftentimes there is zero respect unless it's the you know i think about when we were in new york and we remember in the corner of the comedy store where we were at there was, there was like Attell and like um colin quinn and the guys like just sitting around like after or before like oh basically, yeah, yeah. Like, like busted chops and like going over their stuff and like you know, again, that's where they're getting that real feedback. Like, dude, that that nailed. Or like, dude, that could be good, but you got to think about X, or you got to chase this a little bit more, or or something. I think that's that cool feedback they have before and after that that is really special amongst those guys. I miss that. I think I think that might be up. I can't wait to go back there. It's called the Olive Tree, and you can just go sit at the bar. There's always seats at the bar. Yeah, they're right behind you. Right behind, I've sat down at the bar and like Bill Burr sat next to me. I didn't even know he was sitting there, but like behind you, there would be like, you know, Colin Quinn, Sarah Silverman, uh, yeah. Bill Burr sits back there, Louie will sit back there. All next, like the great comedians. Next time that happens, like, I want you to turn to Bill Burr and say, Hey, are you in Star Wars? <laughs> <laughs> hey there, Billy Freckleface boy there. Yeah. You look familiar. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Never seen Star Wars, actually. 
Oh, he's got a great cameo, two cameos in Mandalorian. They're great. Yeah. Oh, he does a good job. He's so I funny thought... in the heat, too. But anyway, yeah, what's that, Richard? Richard Breaking Bad. The comedian that I'm thinking of that probably flirted that line the most just because of the outrageousness of his material was George Carlin. How wow. many times did he have to fail to get his act dialed in? Because when he went main, when he went primetime and stood up and did those specials that he did, mm. you knew that he had to really piss some people off along the way to get it just on that razor edge, just, just so it could be shocking enough, but still be within the level of acceptance. Yeah, because people hear me like, damn it, he's right. You know, like... <laughs> He's funny. He pissed me off, but he's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, they have to be really smart in how they do that with like, because they do have a really unique talent of winning over somebody who, who thinks differently than them. But they can, if they can make it funny and interesting, present it an angle that I've never thought of before. I've, yeah. I'm you like, think it's oh, going to oh, go this way, okay, and it goes. I get it. I get yeah. this social issue now because this comedian just presented in a way I never thought about before. Like, like Bill Burr had extra large clanky huevos when he stumbled onto Saturday Night Live a few months ago and just laid it out and yeah, killed. And, and the fact that people were getting pissed off about what he was saying because he was saying that they were going to get pissed off about what he was saying was even all the more better. But like, he, he caught a little bit of crap for that, but I think overall people were like, no, that, that just killed. That was just, especially comedians were like, dude, epic, you know. Um, but the people that got mad were like, that's the people he was talking about that were going to get mad for what he was going to say. So that was the funniest thing about the whole thing. But still, extra clanky balls to even go jump in that pool um, and just show how how funny it could be. I think that's the great thing about it. I was, another comedian that uh, sorry, go ahead, Richard. I was so, so amazed with uh, 2020 had two of the best comedian performances I've ever seen. I watched the Chappelle one, mm -hmm. which was mind-blowing. One of the best I've ever seen. And then to have Burr follow it up. I can't remember a time when there was, like, there's the time when Chris Rock had a good couple good years. Oh, but yeah. he was it. Last time two comedians got up and did a Grand Slam show like back to back, I can't, I, I can't remember my lifetime when that that's ever happened. And boy, uh, twenty twenty was Chappelle and the uh, Bill Burr, and it was uh, it it was just amazing, amazing year for comedy. I think Chappelle's really interesting because I don't find him like laugh out loud funny, but. It's it's intriguing. I'm 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 hanging on every word he says, even though I don't. It's not particularly funny all the time, but uh, he's just he's, he's one of the, he's one of the world's great thinkers. I think. Oh. I'm mind blowing. Yeah. Um, did, did you see that? I think they did the Kennedy Center for him. That was one of the best things I've yeah. ever seen. Well, they won the Mark Twain. Mark Twain. That's yeah. what it was. Not Kennedy Center. Yeah, Mark Twain. That was amazing. Um, yeah, stand up in the green jumpsuit i think he was wearing his green jumpsuit when he was when he talked about the first and second amendment i think that was a really good one the one he did that was more uh, topical on race i didn't find quite as funny i think it was really brilliantly written and well stated and i didn't find it as entertaining obviously 
but his other two stand-ups he did was just absolutely insane like his level of intellect and framing and writing delivery thought how he brings it all back around just smokes my mind i think it's so cool yeah it so if, if anybody wants to go if anybody wants to watch any of the comedians cars getting coffee uh with jerry seinfeld the my two favorite well three favorite episodes there's one with don rickles Mm-hmm. which is just fascinating and then the jay leno one for a, like an education in comedy and then uh, i didn't realize just how fucking funny gary shanling was oh, so gary shanling did an episode on that and it's all the, they talk a lot about death yeah. and i think the title even says like is something about dying but and then Gary Shandling died like two months uh, later. Yeah. And I, I recently started watching the Larry Sanders show on HBO. <laughs> I, never, I never watched that, but Gary Shandling on that show, he is so quick witted. Oh, that show is amazing, dude. That show is the best. They're the smartest, most intelligent oh. people among us are good comedians. I still remember jokes from the Larry Sanders show. My, like, to this day, and I watched it back in high school. Yeah, it, it's a good choice. It holds up. My uh, my favorite line, one of the funniest things I've ever heard, was the Norm Macdonald and Jerry Seinfeld comedians in cars getting oh. coffee when they're talking about Bill Cosby, and they said, "Oh, Jerry Seinfeld said something about Pat Oswalt said something about." something hypothetical about Bill Cosby. Oh, if he'd ever, whatever it is, is, you'd have to watch it, but I guarantee you, it's the funniest line (laughs) I've ever heard Norm MacDonald get off. It's just, they talk about Bill Cosby and how it couldn't be that bad. He turns to Jerry Seinfeld, he goes, I think it was the raping. It's only as only Norm Macdonald could deliver as well. You know, he's just got that that it's the ultimate deadpan, but yeah, and and a voice inflection. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever have you ever seen Norm Macdonald's joke where he told about uh uh when the new neighbor moved in next door and people were curious what about what the guy does for a living? And so Norm went over there. Like uh He's like, so what? What do you do, Frank? He's like, well, Norm, should I, should I tell a joke or just? Oh, fucking let her rip, Tater Chip. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I haven't heard this for a long time, so sorry if I fucking butcher it. But the new guy moves in. Sorry, so everyone was curious what the guy does for a living because he moved into the nicest house. And so Norm finally went over there and 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 asked him. He's like, what do you what do you do, Frank? And Frank says. Well, Norm, uh, it's really hard to explain. It's better if uh, I just show you or give you an example. Uh, there he goes. I'm a professor of, you know, yeah, I'm not even going to try it. Maybe I'll tell it next time. I got to re-listen to the Do question. some homework. <laughs> I want you to... or, or just look it up on the internet. And yeah. Look up his joke about the neighbor that lives next door. Norm McDonald's the, neighbor. Pre- professor of... Of reason, professor of reason, I think. 
That's what funny is. Funny thing is, and you almost told and that then look up how Norm Macdonald would. <laughs> Go ahead, Richard. Your delay is really screwing you over. I know. I'm sorry. Then, uh, look up the moth joke. Superb. The moth. Moth joke by Norm Macdonald? Yep. Okay. Cool. I got some homework now. I still want to try it. I'm the professor of reason down at the local university. Like, what, what's that? Well, it's hard to explain. I better just give you an example. And he's like, well, Norm, I can see that, uh, that you're wearing a ring on your hand. So I can, I can deduce from this that you uh, must be married, right? Yeah, I am. Okay. So from your ring, I can reason that you are, you must be a, is it a woman, Norm? Yeah, well, matter of fact, is one. Well, then you must be a straight white male. Okay. And then, uh, hey, Norm, I can I can see that you have a uh, a, a doghouse from my backyard. I can see you have a doghouse in your yard. Uh, do you have a dog, Norm? Yeah, yeah, I have a I have a dog. Well, because you have a dog, then you must have kids, right, Norm? Well, by golly, I do have kids. I have two of them. Like, okay, well. Through those steps, uh, I can determine that you, well, you must be a straight white male. So I've done a little bit of butchering. You're just like Norm McDonald, though. That's what's so damn funny about this. <laughs> so he went through that whole conversation, and then, uh, oh, then yeah. Norm, Norm goes to a different party, and they're talking, about, they're talking about the new neighbor. And they, everyone's wondering what he does. And, and Norm's like, well, I know what he does. I went over there and I asked him. And they're like, well, what does he do? And he's like, well, uh, well it's, hard to exp it's hard to explain. It's better to like show you. And let me, let me show you. He's like, are, are you married? And the guy said, no, I'm not married. And he goes, well, then you must be a faggot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a dog or something? Anyways, yeah, he's, he instantly jumps to the very end. It's beautiful. Yeah, I'd still recommend looking it up too. But Joel told it pretty it's, much just like Norm Macdonald does. It's the funniest joke I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but Norm, Norm just is an incredible joke teller. He is very underrated, I think, by some people. Yeah, you could do you do a pretty good Norm Macdonald impersonation though. Just so you know, you should put you could you could tuck that away. Yeah, just saying. That's this is my time to shine, and I failed. It is. Well, you did not fail at all. You you were a thousand percent Norm. You sounded just like Norm telling that joke. Well, you, I told you that. Could have wandered around a little bit more in between. But yeah, I, I I had recently heard that joke, and I went to a, like a party in Brooklyn with Justice friends, and who are by and large fairly liberal people. And uh, I told that joke, and I nailed it, and I hit the punchline, and. I was like, this could go poorly. <laughs> but yeah. they laugh. They, they laugh. laugh, yeah. yeah. So you put you yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. And you, I, yeah, see? Honest feedback, yeah. Oh, goodness. Speaking of feedback, our next segment, we're going to try to plow through this. We had the word of the week. Um, and this week is especially special, uh, if you will, because it was submitted by a loyal listener. And, and it's something that we... Uh, the person that we both are you protesting, Richard? 
No, I'm excited. Oh, okay, good, good. So we we know somebody in common who used to say this word all the time. And so um, when he brought it up, I was like, oh, shiitake. Yeah, so um, this comes from our good friend, Mr. Spoon in, in LeGrand. So um, the word of the week, the far reaches word of the week is Hanyanker. H-O-N-Y-O-N-K-E-R, Hanyanker. It's more prevalent in Montana, but it certainly makes its way further uh, out to the west also. So, Hanyanker. I'll take a stab at it. Okay. Is it the guy that waits on the side of the wheat field to run in and clean the combine out when it gets stuffed up? I suppose it could be, but it's not really the the nail on it but in essence it might be that guy yeah maybe he'll, he'll, he'll close it's not i can't say 100 percent though yeah it's it could be a characteristic of this individual but it's not exactly like a specific name for somebody who does that i pulled that out of my ass so i'm really surprised they got that close pretty impressive yeah especially <laughs> i, I would say like a a uh, Han Yunker would be uh, something you would call somebody from another town, like farther away, uh, who is like a like a doofus. Like we don't we don't really like those people. They're Han Yunkers. Yeah, I say that's that's pretty damn good, Mister Joel. Um, it really is kind of like a a dumbass, you know, kind of dumbass farmer, sodbuster, like really insulting, like. If I was to call you know, a cattleman like a sheep herder, you know, like it's a flatlander, like, sorry, Richard. Um, so when I said, yeah, it could be the guy that just stands on the edge of the field and goes and unplugs the combines, that's probably all he can really do. But yeah, it's sort of like, it's really detrimental, like insulting. You don't want to be a honyonker. Yeah. So Joel pretty much, pretty much nailed it. I think between you guys, you definitely, you rocked it. But our good friend, Mr. Kim Hanger in Montana, he, he used to throw that word around with, with some severity and spoon brought it up um as a suggested word of the week which i'm more than happy to uh take a loyal listener's thoughts on that so yeah great word um not something you hear every day certainly i had not heard till i ran into hanger and then i was playing when i was talking to spoon about it, i'm like you know what i remember right here i was playing quarters against some hooterites at a beef meeting one time <laughs> and they were using that word also so <laughs> Because only you'd be playing quarters with some hoots at a beef meeting, but I digress. So, um, yeah, great word. Spoon, can't thank you enough. Always a good listener and uh, appreciate you submitting that word. So we'd also reach out to the other reachers. If you've got a particular word, let it rip. We'll see uh, what you got going on out there, home skillets. So um, originally Raleigh had entertainment spotlight of the week, but since he's been detained, I know they're cabin and doing some other random stuff. Uh, we're going to kick it over to Richard for entertainment spotlight slash breakdown for uh, next session of the far reaches. So um, if you got a book, a play, a poem, a sonnet, a movie, uh, what else are we thinking? Um, a podcast I think would be also legal. A record. A record for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about it. I almost did that for my first one. I was going to gotta go down that road, but I, I thought I'd save my powder for that. So um, 
Richard's getting stretched out and ready. I think he's choosing one of the 19 books that's on his desk right now. I, I'm so sorry this is a book, but um, I just read it. Um, if anybody has watched World War Z, the Brad Pitt movie. Oh, yeah, of course. It was a great Me book. And it was written by Mel Brooks's son, Max Brooks. No kidding. Yeah. And the book and the movie, they didn't even try and follow it. So um, the movie loosely holds to it. So you can't, you don't go away from the movie. It's like, that was nothing like the book, damn it. It was just, they, Max wrote both a little bit, I believe. And, uh, but the book was amazing i finished it in a well he wrote some other books like the zombie uh survival guide and that kind of stuff but he just wrote a new book in march of this year that i totally missed and uh i was so excited when i found it and got time to read it it's called de-evolution the first-hand account of the rainier sasquatch massacre and this book is so I, I'll just give you a, I don't want to spoil it but it very much deals with the mentality of people in the modern age and it parallels how I because I know that the Brookses are Jews um, I think it parallels the type of mentality of people holocaust when at the beginning of world war ii it is a brilliant books with many 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 layers and it you're it's really written to annoy you it's like a ear bug it's an earworm and you're gonna want to quit reading it but you want to get all the way through it it is uh it's a it's a masterpiece it's uh and if you really think of all the layers that he's built into this really book it's seven hours if you listen on audible if you look at all the layers that he's built into it and come at the the perspective that he comes at from his father's experience before world war ii and uh his family's experience it's a mind-blowing book and uh i don't i'm sure they'll adopt it for a movie but um they're not going to get anywhere close. This this book is brilliant. So I'm confused though. Which book do you want us to read? It's called Deevolution. I thought it was World War Z. No, no, it's the oh. second book. That's the first book you wrote. Oh, okay. So not Deevolution. Deevolution. Good. I was is, hoping I was going to read called, that one anyways. Deevolution: The First-Hand Account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre. And like I said, he purposely makes the characters annoying as hell so you're gonna want to put it down but you want to get all the way through it because it's amazing so was this what the movie the man who killed hitler and then bigfoot was based on no no oh, damn it i was really hoping it sounds <laughs> awesome though yeah so it's good the evolution by max brooks correct yes okay awesome and then the rena the, the something of the rainier sasquatch massacre correct yeah that's all you have to remember that's the same yeah Max Brooks, The Evolution. You should get her. I'm cool. sorry it's a book, but it's no, just I, so good. 
Dude, I think that's, I, I'm hoping we keep getting Western and picking different shit. And I think um, I think uh, we're definitely going to get into music. We'll do some plays. I'm going to do a poem at some point, just so you're warned right now. So, yeah, not a, not, probably not a weasel original, but a poem somewhere. Yeah. Um, just so you guys know, one last thing. It's a very timely book. I think it will hold the test of time, but right now oh, okay. it's very timely. So. Which I always appreciate with you. You do you did you do tend to marry those two together well. So harumph. That brings us right into this is personally my my favorite segment because everybody always shits their pants when I ask them, but we're gonna bust into the far reaches. What did you learn? And again, I don't need you know some kind of new algorithm or anything, like just what pops in your head from our either this conversation or in the past week, just overall, like what's going on in that brain of yours and if you want me to kick it off i'll be happy to i shall and i think it's going to be even more relatable but i just learned today i got my email from spacex and i'm eligible to get starlink internet soon i paid my deposit it's coming richard do the same so we don't yeah. have to goddamn max headroom you all the time but uh pretty stoked i've got I got super duper high speed internet right now, but it comes from Cox and, and I can't wait to tell them to go pound sand. And so, um, super stoked when I got that today, I instantly signed up, spent my hundred bucks for my deposit. I think it's like 400, 500 bucks in total to get the, the whole shit But, uh, can't wait. I'm so stoked. Um, that's what I learned. It's almost the best thing of the week, but I had to get it out at some point. I'm going to put it under, what I learned because it just came out today for me. Anyways, I got the email. I know there's people online that had it for a while, but uh, pretty excited about that. So there, here's your little Colonel. Go ahead, Richard. What'd you learn in homeschool? I think I've learned that um, ecological services and agriculture is going to be huge and that you should be, if you're in agriculture, you should be paying attention to it and, try to start figuring out how you're going to work it into your operation. And uh, I think I've seen the possibilities of it firsthand and it's mind blowing. And I think that everybody needs to take a step back and drop their paradigms and look at what they can do on their operation. And I think that once they start pushing the boundaries of it, that they are going to be pleasantly surprised with, uh, where it'll take them and uh, what kind of extra revenue they're going to be able to garnish from taking a real deep look at what they're doing. Can you expand just a bit more what you frame as ecological services? That's a pretty expansive uh, category. I, I think some more of your insight is. To... So just, this is the very minimum keeping ranches and farms intact, even mismanaged ones is providing an ecological service because it's envi it's mm -hmm. it's a book holder that's stopping other types of um, negative development so at the very minimum just keeping your operation from going bankrupt is an ecological service and everything that if you can improve soil health that's an ecological service if you can improve water quality that's an ecological service if you can improve 
wildlife conservation. I honestly think that one of the biggest things that we're going to see moving into the future is pri private conservation. Mm. And uh, I think that as our population grows and there's more people in urban areas and there's less wild and open spaces, agriculture land is going to have more and more of a premium value on it. I think it's going to be harder to keep a hold of, but I think if you can show a good path of ecological services, that there's going to be some underlying economic opportunities that become out of that. So I just would preach, start thinking about this word, don't poo poo it. I think it's going to be huge. And I think that other people, if, if you're not being innovative on your land, on your operation, other people are going to get that land and that they're going to, you're going to, you're not going to be able to succeed and somebody else is going to come in. If you already have the land, start thinking about the, the ecological services that you provide. And it's, the world's changing. This is the way it's going to go and barring a complete disruption or collapse of society, the way it's going to continue to go. So um, can't just do the one can't just do one thing on your operation anymore. You gotta, you're gonna have to, you have to diversify, layer different revenues, and uh, start. Agriculture is gonna have to open up and start talking in a whole new way, and mm. gonna have to be really loud about it. So, uh, I just say everybody just jump on it. You're all the experts when you just stop and think about it. You just have to be able to convey it. You know, I think that's the cool part about it is nobody knows it as well. You just got to look at it a little bit differently and, and, and see what other folks are doing and what's working. And, you know, not everything works. Everywhere. Tweak here, tweak there. Asking what if or why is probably the, the strongest thing we can do as any kind of natural resource person. Yeah, and it's going to be tough because as a culture, a hum <laughs> humility is rewarded, but we are a culture that is 1.8% mm. of the population. And so, um, gotta tell the story, think, man. Gotta tell the yeah, story. I don't think, I don't think community is going to get us down the road. So start. Yeah. Mike is right. Start telling your story and start being the expert of your own region, your own operation. And one, once you establish that credibility, I think it, the sky's the limit. Yeah. Great point, Richard. Yeah. Wow. Way to rock and roll on what you learned. It makes up for at least the past two or three. Uh, yeah, no, just kidding. Look at Joel. Joel, I got, I got dying to know, man. I'm just dying. Yeah. No, I kind of envy, you know, Richard. I'm sure Raleigh's going through the same thing. I think you guys are in a good position, even though maybe over the years, like, I feel like what you guys do is a tough business, but cyclical. And that's gonna flip pretty soon. Uh, that's kind of that's gonna be a pretty hot area to earn a living. Whereas, like, I'm in a I'm in a place where it's so uncertain, and you know, our bank post earnings. It's like, yeah, we're down thirty percent year over year, um, and I don't foresee this is gonna. It's not like next year we're gonna have a gangbusters year. Um, it's, it's a dying i'm in a dying industry now which is that is, i mean how is it compared to other banks i mean i know everybody does different things but if 
if everybody else is down 50 and you're down 30, then in some weird way, it's there is consolidation. Maybe you know, the bigger problem is that it shouldn't have ever left JP Morgan because they're they're going to be the winners to a certain extent. Maybe fintech will probably replace them too eventually. Um, and with, I think fintech is another area that's going to rise. Maybe, maybe I could get into there, but um. There's so much uncertainty. Always. Yeah. I don't know. So I think it's important to, to diversify. I, I think back, you guys know who Mike or Mike, I, I bet Richard didn't, but you know Ralph Kern? Yeah. Yeah. Ralph was my uncle Ralph. He was a judge in Pendleton. Uh, he used to send me a, in college, he'd, he'd like, I'd get a piece of mail every month or so. And it, the only thing in the envelope was a torn off piece of paper bag from the grocery store. And on it, it just said, nephew, uh, study a profession. And he'd just sign it uncle. And then there would be That's like so cool. 50 or hundred bucks in there. Um, and that was his message. And then it's not like, I don't even know what that means, but <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had, I could listen to him a little bit. And, uh, because you know, if you're if you're if you're an agriculture or farmer or rancher, that's a profession. Uh, if you're just a compliance officer, like you're at the whims of government regulation, you easily your life's work could go could disappear. Um, so it's I guess it's just take advantage of what you have when you have it, and it's going to disappear and diversify. That's what I'm trying to figure out. I think I would frame it as to uh, find what makes you happy. Uh, I don't know about that, but. <laughs> I think so, man. Yeah. I can't be a professional golfer. I think that would make me happy. Then find a way to play as much golf as possible, you know? Yeah. Just saying. Or on a awesome. golf course. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm, else I'm excited about is... Uh, I know you could buy the golf course in Lakeview if you wanted. Yep, I can get it for you. Yeah. Oh, Richard, you gave me help? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I am. You really mower too? Yeah, yeah. I can mow it for you. I just got a, I got a nice John Deere mower now. I, I'm a mowing machine, man. It's on. I'll come. See? I'm going to send you a throw book, it out there, Joel. Man. What's that, Richard? I'm going to send Joel a book. It's one of the best books, uh, Scott Adams. Don't tell him what it is. Just just send it. I want him just to get it and be like, fucking Richard. Yeah, don't tell him what it is. Okay. Don't tell him any words, Scott. Just send him the book, man. That's the awesome part about right. it. Yeah. Not to, not to get your business, but I think it's cooler if you just like, hey, Joel, sending you a book. And all it right. It might be the DMV Motor Manual. It might be my favorite book of all time. But I'm sending you a book. All right don't forget yeah so awesome i think that's nothing against raleigh i wish he was here that's one of the better what we learned ever we got a little philosophy got some technology we got some ecology it's all about the ease isn't it apparently yeah so yes. cool we've got some great reacher mail this week too um some up and downs all around so uh first big d in texas hey started the podcast on wednesday Finished it on Saturday. I think I passed out somewhere around Richard's Max Headroom impersonations. 
Uh, nothing <laughs> against the podcast. It was definitely medically induced. So uh, we're glad you finished listening, uh, Big D in Texas, and uh, even listened through Richard's Max Hedrum impersonations. Many of our <laughs> audience might not even know who Max Hedrum is, but let's just say he's probably Alexa's stepdaddy. Um, put it that way. So Google it. Yeah. Uh, Spoon in Oregon says, hey, y'all take suggestions for word of the week. I think we know the answer to that, that we do indeed, uh, since Spoon was the purveyor of this week's word of the week that I was so proud to spin on to us. Uh, CW and Pendleton, hey, great, great conversation about Bob O'Rourke. Uh, just some updates. Uh, Bob attended University of Portland undergrad and then Lewis and Clark for law school. Uh, and then uh, also said, Bob was, when Bob was born, he was already 14 years old, hence the genius he is today. Also, he reads a ton of books. Um, so yeah, we got some great feedback from our Bob O'Rourke segment. Uh, Sean and Pendleton said, Bob is a big fan of far reaches and is catching up now that he's started to hear some more about you guys. So, um, thought that was really cool. Some great feedback from all the gang there. Um, hopefully we can keep expanding on that and get some more Bob stories. Um, maybe get something recorded with Bob someday would be the ultimate dream. So, yeah. Breaking into a new demographic. Definitely into a new demographic of Retired lawyers in Pendleton. That's a big. <laughs> <laughs> when looking up on Facebook market on how to, how to target those people, it's pretty specific. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, once again, a reminder to get your far reaches logos in. I know uh, R3 is working on one. I'm anxious to see that. <laughs> get that busted out. We'll get you some swag. If you have uh, questions or comments, certainly get that to us at uh, far reaches podcast at gmail.com. Send your your artwork there. Um, we'll have a small announcement coming up soon. We're going to be on another platform, I think, here hopefully by the end of the week um, for podcasting, a, a quite large one. And so as soon as we get that uh, dialed for sure, I'll have an announcement. But that that should be coming up. I uh, just started that process today. Uh, so it should be pretty cool. So just when you think I don't do anything. I'm even excited. See? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So um uh, know there were other platforms there's one other major platform that we're not on yet and i'm working on getting that done so um submitted today looks good so as soon as it gets all Ooh, uh, i think i know what it is so maybe we'll talk offline and see if you're right there mr richard yeah how's that sound so again yeah we really love everybody's feedback you know hold us on our facebook page or far reaches gmail uh, any of us always and everything like that and and that uh that brings us to our last segment, which I always like to end on. Uh, the best thing of the week, I like to go out on the kind of a high note. Sometimes we get a wheel in the ditch. Sometimes we get down. Sometimes we get crossed. But I like to end with a nice best thing of the week. Again, we're not looking for anything completely earth shattering that's going to be read at the UN opening ceremonies or anything, but just something you want to talk about. So, Joel, you're looking pretty snazzy there in your pullover and your locker room. So what do you got for, for best thing of the week this week, good sir? Uh, my brother texted me today. Which one? Um, Older or younger? Brian. Okay. Older. Um, and he, he mentioned that they're all going down to, uh, a bunch of them are going to Bandon to play some oh. golf this weekend. Man. So I think it's a good chance that this whole crew on the way to kill time. That's like, a, what is it, like an eight hour drive? Uh, good six for sure maybe eight i know we drove it once we stayed at a casino and then went on another hour or so in the morning when when i went so yeah so my yeah. best thing of the week is junior having to drive and 
He likes it. Other people in the car making him listen to this podcast. Outstanding. Yes. Well, he's a he's a sponsor, you know, so he should get a little uh, a little interest yeah. and uh, a giggle or two out of that. What better way to drive to Bandon than listen to this? I mean, we should have started off with that. We could have tailored it a bit more for their trip, but uh, they'll probably listen to something from four weeks ago, anyways. It's the best intellectual moment of the week we've done ever. So he can say, look, I uh, sponsored that, made that a reality, so he'll have bragging rights. And he will take advantage of those. Uh, that's one thing we can guarantee. I, mean, you, I yeah. can just see him driving. His, you know, he always has his hand, left hand at 12. It's like, fucking Joel. <laughs> Such a dumbass. So, why doesn't you shut up? Yeah. Like... <laughs> he hates me so much. I he does not hate you. He just he just has that <laughs> relation with you that you know. Yeah, I th- yeah. It's the best. Yeah, it, just, and Darren Darren's probably like sitting in the back, quiet, minding his own business, right. being a sweetheart that he is. Who's all headed down? Yeah. They taking four or eight? Uh, you got Brian Jr., Darren, Matt, JJ, <laughs> Jeff, and Joe. Oh, awesome! Good herd. <laughs> everything about jj they're gonna stop somewhere and get freaking hot dogs so <laughs> love you jj man i wish i miss playing golf with you i can't wait to play golf again with with the gang yeah that's a good trip though bannon that's a fun one i got to go with pot roast and junior and kurt that was that's one of the best bannon trips ever yeah so yeah it'd be a fun trip not to you know step on anybody going this time it's still great so richard what is your best thing of the week, my good sir? Well, I had a big week, so lots of excitement. But I think the one that, on a personal level, the best part of the week was um, for my trip to Idaho, I invited my cousin Ben. No, oh, yeah. So, Rojo Grande? Yes. So I get to I see him occasionally, but I, I don't get to spend long quality time with him. And I always – we're actually banned from flying anywhere in the United States together without a chaperone because we have missed planes on three separate occasions, drinking in the, in the airport bar. Turns out. Ben is, Ben is a magnet for um, the most interesting people. If there's a group of large people and you take Ben into it and apply a little alcohol, every interesting person within close proximity, even far away proximity, will somehow magically be attracted to my cousin Ben, and you will begin to have the most interesting conversations with the most fascinating people that you never thought you would ever cross paths with. He has this amazing charisma about him that uh, it's indescribable. So it was a really special trip that I was able to take my three-year-old son and my, uh, his uncle Ben along for a good two-day road trip and um i hope it's the first of many and uh i hope that my son grows to love ben as much as i do so oh he's so lucky uh, to get to have that uncle ben influence and and, turns out uh you just can't buy that kind of stuff turns out man what a great story that was i think we're truly missing out by not gopro-ing ben and just sponsoring random trips because you could easily charge 30 bucks a month to watch that. No doubt. That would, uh, yeah, that would eclipse the Ed show or the Truman show by billions. Yeah. Like we just, Hey, here's 300 bucks. We're sending you to Billings 
and just see what happens. Or you're stuck in Midland, you know, God knows what. It would just be awesome. And I have to say that I have fascinating sisters. I have fascinating cousins, but only Ben has superpowers. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, none of y'all are what I'd consider, you know, average or pedestrian. But, you know, yeah, there is a larger cape on, on, on Ben than and there's right a there, good, close. Don't get me wrong. There's a good possibility about half of us are going to go batshit crazy before we die. So enjoy us while we last. <laughs> you really should. Yeah. If you can, get, if you can get your own Bradbury, I highly suggest it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I've, had, I've had a lot of crazy cool stuff going on this week also with work and jobs and this and that and the other, but as um, I've been working on the list of projects around the, uh, the villa, as I call it here in, in Florida. And one of the things I'd working on was like, I wanted to put an outdoor kitchen up right where I'd really kind of pictured it. There's like two pretty nice trees. Actually, one of them is my favorite tree in my yard. And I was going to have to move it. And so uh, one of my, uh, this past weekend, I actually, it hooked the toe strap up to it and I was trying to, you know, put a lot of pressure on it, tug it over and then start digging around it. And I, I stopped and I'm like, this, nah, not what I want to do. It's not feeling right. So I started surveying around my hacienda and uh, at the end of the, like my whole back porch area is, is um, screened in porch basically, but it's, it's been, when I got here it was in two different segments. There's like a concrete uh, floored section with patio, like nice metal frame. I put screen in, and then there's like at the end of it, there's like a 12 by 12 section that's it's like two by four floor and like wooden frame and and just a little more craptacular. But it's kind of like a I think somebody probably used it for like a room to like pot plants and stuff in, you know. Um, which I suppose at some point in my life that might be a priority, but at this time it's not really how I'm going to spend my evenings. So anyways, what I ended up doing was stepping back on the other side of the yard and looking across and I'm like, there's no reason for me to go tear down two trees or move them and then build something from the ground where if I get a little Western, I can really just kind of take that whole end part off and turn that into my outdoor kitchen slash bar area. So within a few short hours, I had it pretty much all torn down, but the framework and now I'm sort of just still penciling out where the bar area is going to go, where the smoker and the barbecue and the sink's going to go. But I got power there. I got hot water right through the wall. I got my natural gas that comes in right at that same spot. So my point being, that was my best thing is like, I just paused a little bit. I listened to my gut when I was getting ready to tear a tree out of the ground. And I looked around and I had a pretty good stump jar. <clears throat> start and jump at the same time. Sounds like start. Um, it was right there already. It was just a little bunged up with a bunch of other crap. And I needed to just get a little creative and take a step back so i did and i'm pretty happy with what i got so far i think it's going to turn out to be pretty damn nice and i didn't have to move a tree so yeah that was my best thing of all so the crap saying, i got into yeah so you're saying that you might be reaching the peak of youth and skill and going over the hump to age and treachery it might indeed be right at the precipice if you will um i'll sure i'll do something stupid and irrational this week anyways uh, just to make up for it because it's that internal denial I think of those skills but uh, yeah there's a chance there's a distinct chance sure so I won't deny it 
it, it really impressed myself. I got to be honest. Yeah. So we'll see. <laughs> it's the little things. Joel's like, I can't, I do not want to get that old. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really paying that much attention. I didn't figure as much. Joel doesn't really listen much. That's why I always say your name before I ask you a question. So you know that I'm indeed talking to you. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> What do you think about that, Joel? Yeah, so uh, I hate it on work meetings when they, somebody's talking and they're like, "Joel, can't do it." Like, what me? Me? Did I raise my hand? Yeah, like <laughs> let's let's bring, repeat the uh, question. I think if you do, I figured out that it's the hand triangle. Uh, if you get this, I think there's a lot of complexities here. I mean, you put the hands forward on one of the key words, usually multisyllabic. Like that's a there's a lot of complexities here. I'd really like to delve a little bit deeper before I really commit. I think my opinion on that is that okay. And then you yeah. gotta get one of these when you're finishing up. That's pretty hard to, to get around. You're pretty solid. I think we're lacking synergy. Don't say this synergy <laughs> word. Do not. I will come through this screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a great show. Did you see that show? The crew? Yes. Yes. <laughs> the drinking game. <laughs> <laughs> great show on netflix called the crew with uh kevin james and it's about a, a a fictional nascar team and the the owner's daughter's from stanford and so they're out with a uh a, a sponsor and they start playing a drinking game whenever she says like i'm from stanford it's this drink and when she says like uh, i think synergy might have been one of the words but they yeah. had like three or four and it was absolutely hilarious because she comes back to the table and and they're trying to get her to say these words again. So the other one's going to have to drink. I can't believe you were thinking the same thing, Richard, and actually got that far through the series too. That's hilarious. Yeah. Pretty, pretty decent show. Like it's definitely sitcom-y. Yes. Um, but yeah, some great one-liners and, and uh, some funny stuff. So yeah, the crew on When Netflix. your brain has stopped working and you just need to let go. Completely. Yeah. Just drop the reins and wherever it goes, so you're just happy. Yeah. Yeah, there's some, I, and I have to say also, uh, when she wears those white pants in the shop, I am a big fan of those also. Yeah, so. Oh, the other highlight was that she's interviewing, re-interviewing everybody and it gets oh, to the yes. mechanic and they go, well, is she going to interview you? And he goes, no, I'm the one that makes the car run. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, do you want to interview her, Garrett? He's like, no, no, I don't. She goes, I don't need to interview him. He makes the car run. He's like, I tried to tell you. Yeah, it was. <laughs> pretty good they do a great they capture a lot of good personalities you want to have at a, at a job of course and then they got the the nascar theme you know so um it's not bad yeah it's not bad at all i'm gonna check it out joe yeah it will be a lot more digestible than a than a whole book you know <laughs> i mean that could have been our entertainment of the week not at all no 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 it's got to be inspired and, and this was just a random thing we both happened to be thinking the same word yeah and way to, way to bring up synergy good job mr joel good job see yeah that's what this shit's all about that's what the reaches are all about so anything else for the good of the order before we wrap this little adventure up for the evening and and um again i can't thank everybody enough for all your your listening your support comments keep those coming uh mail questions concerns uh we'll be having some updates as we move along uh, new logo coming soon. Uh, hopefully some Reacher gear that goes with that. 
And hopefully I have an announcement pretty quick to you about our latest platform and we can start doing some more expansion on that. But uh, keep the questions coming, share, like, and uh, if you don't like, share some more, you know, maybe uh, somebody else will get what they deserve. So till then, keep on reaching and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all soon.